0: Temp check.
1: How are you going to know who gets you if people send you the same generic conversation starters they message everyone else? Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today.
0: All right. What's up, Gypsy gang? We're back after our first, I guess, mini hiatus. I think we missed a week for the first time since we started the podcast. Uh, Yeah, sorry. I went to Thailand. I went over there to do a jiu-jitsu school with a coach by the name of Lachlan Giles, who's responsible for some of um, the best talent in the world at the moment. So kind of got the invite uh, to go over to do that camp in Thailand. If anyone follows me personally on Instagram, you would have uh, seen some videos that I did, but I guess it was worth it because in that Eight days that I was in Thailand, I managed to do three podcasts. Uh, One with Lachlan, one with uh, UFC legend Mark Hunt, which I was going to release first, but he's in a bit of a legal battle with the UFC, so we have to get get what he said checked by lawyers before we could post that one. Uh, The third one is with my guest, who you will hear coming up very shortly a guy by the name of Stuart Cooper. And he's a super interesting guy for me to talk to because I guess he did the same thing in Jiu-Jitsu with filming as I did in motocross with filming, uh, and about the same time as well. So I've been following his work, uh, a little bit. And then when I found out that he was in Thailand, I hit him up, uh, just cause I thought it'd be interesting to kind of like see those parallels between, uh, our careers, even though we're sort of in different worlds, I guess. It was all really cool chat also because i didn't know and i guess nobody really knows he's he's never actually publicly spoken about it but he suffered uh from a drug addiction to a prescription drug called diazepam so we really kind of went in deep into how we kind of fell into that and the withdrawals and then the depression that followed going to spain and doing ayahuasca and curing his depression. So it was like a pretty crazy ride that that Stewie went on for a couple of years. And like I said, he hasn't actually publicly spoken about it. So with that being said, I just need to give a special shout out to the guys at fightlife.com.au. Basically, they uh, help make the Thailand trip happen, which then in turn brings you this podcast. So if you are into any martial arts or if you're into boxing for fitness or anything like that, head to fightlife.com.au. They've got one of the largest ranges of fight equipment uh, in Australia. They're great. I used them before they were a sponsor. I bought a ton of stuff off them. Uh, It's, yeah, great website, great service, great people. So I just had to give a shout out to those guys before I get into this podcast with Stuart Cooper Films. We're off to the races Stuart Cooper what's happening brother not much man just having
1: a good time out here in Phuket Thailand
0: dude it is hot as absolute shit yeah. how long have you been living here
1: so I've been coming here on and off since 2012 but I recently moved back in February Oh, you know, so after spending one year in Singapore
0: that's pretty hot too right in Singapore Singapore yeah but
1: Singapore is a very indoor culture so you're not really outside much you're always inside in a shopping mall or Um, you know inside air air conditioning everything's outdoors here everything's outdoors here yeah so it's it's more humid in Singapore but it's hotter here in Phuket I think
0: yeah it's definitely feel like for the week that I've been here the the culture shock hasn't been anything but the heat and I mean I'm from Cairns originally which is like North Queensland which is known for being hot but like dude i'm on i've been on struggle streak all week like i we were training at um the camp with locky I, I don't think i've got a, like a legit cramp where like your whole muscle just seizes up and it just won't let go probably for like 10 years and the second day we were there because like, i wasn't drinking a bunch of like electrolytes and shit yeah. and then i'll just like my whole leg locked up and i was like holy shit so just goes to show it, it looks like when you finish training that you've just got out of the shower
1: yeah yeah So like every single session you have to take um you have to drink two of those electrolyte packs every single day yeah you know maybe more yeah it's, it's hard to stay hydrated out here and you forget to drink sometimes it's very important when you're training mm. you know to keep hydrated because you lose a lot of water
0: mm, yeah no it's it's even like um just the the food side of things like we were eating so much and i was getting skinnier and i was eating more than way way more than i normally do and like those big protein shakes after every session so it's definitely no joke you can see why people come and do camps so actually i guess we should backtrack for people that are just listening we're actually at uh tiger muay thai in phuket thailand um stewie is a jiu-jitsu coach here um but you're more famously known for Stuart cooper films which i i watched a, a few of your stuff when i first got into jiu-jitsu um and then when i kind of found out that you were living here and training here i thought i'd hit you up because i from what i can tell you've almost got like a bit of a parallel kind of lifestyle or like a timeline i guess to kind of how i got started but in a in a different sport i guess yeah so how did how did you get into the film stuff when did that all start for you
1: um, I always had an interest in film, you know, so growing up, you know, I used to love films. I was never particularly good at anything at school, like, you know, academic, I wasn't good at math, science, um, I was always good at sport or art, and yeah, yeah when, it, when it came to decide, you know, do I want to go to university, I had to decide what it is I wanted to do. Mm. So I went and did a, a media degree, because um, I, I thought, right, I want to maybe be a filmmaker, but actually spending a couple of years doing this degree it put me off filmmaking because you had to have a cinematographer a director you had a whole team of sound man mm. it was just it was too much it was too overwhelming for me so it put me off and but then when the introduction of these DSLR cameras where you can do it all of yourself yeah. I, I like doing everything myself I like just doing it, just me you know so I've got the little camera I can do the editing by myself um, you know everything's very portable so I found a love for
0: it again yeah it's it's crazy because I didn't go to film school at all. So when I got into it, I got into it just before the DSLR thing happened. So my first camera was a Sony EX-1. So it was kind of, and then people started using like the 7D. So I actually bought an EX-1 and then I bought a 7D and I had like a 50mm lens and you can get like all the crazy depth of field. So we I, we both sort of got into it at a really similar time then, I guess, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, actually, I started filming, making wedding films. That's how I really taught really? myself. I mean, at university, it was all very, um, it was all paperwork, you know? It wasn't actually very hands-on. They didn't show us how to use cameras or teach us how to do editing. Hmm. It was only when I left. It was all, like, written work. So when I left, um, that's when, uh, yeah, actually, like, Got into wedding films and actually started making a living from it. So I had to teach myself. The first few wedding films I made were not particularly good. But, you know, you, you each one got better and better. And then I started from there. That's when I started to make jiu-jitsu films. Yeah. You know, just for fun, you know.
0: Yeah. So there was like... Were you one of the first dudes to actually film jiu-jitsu, do you think?
1: I, I definitely wasn't. Well, I think I hit it at the right time, you know. Uh, there's obviously some videos on there on YouTube and a few like DVDs here and there, but it wasn't not many. Yeah. You know, so when I started pumping these uh, jiu-jitsu short films out, documentaries, whatever you want to call them, YouTube videos, um, I was kind of the first. It was just when Facebook and YouTube yeah. were getting popular, and jiu-jitsu was just getting popular as well. So it was a combination of this, and I really, I think I was one of the first people to just kind of make them into like little films but Mm -hmm. i was very active when i was doing it I was putting one out every month yeah right. and um i did the first ever adcc highlight and that's the one that really catapulted me you know started you know i got a lot of job jobs from that you know started flying around the world because of that one highlight video
0: yeah it's crazy that i that's where i think like our parallel kind of comes into it because i've got a super similar story in that I was like crazy into motocross and then, because you're an athlete as well, like uh, you're a a super accomplished black belt and now you're kind of circling back to doing the elite level competition stuff like you just competed at BOA which is one of the bigger events in the world and it was kind of like, I guess my story was that I was riding motocross and I just loved it but I knew I was never going to be like a pro motocross athlete. So I was like, well, fuck, how can I like kind of stay in this without, you know, having to get a job and then just becoming the weekend warrior dude, which is basically why I got into film. Like we never even really had a camera. We, we definitely didn't have a video camera when I was a kid, but we, I don't even think we really had like uh, film cameras or anything. Like my parents didn't take a lot of photos. So I, I was like I'd just zero exposure to filming at all. But it was just, I I guess I could see at the time that Facebook and, like, Instagram wasn't around at all. Mm -hmm. Like, I was still, like, I was a well-established professional filmmaker before Instagram even started. But I can remember going to companies and being like, dude, Facebook videos are going to be the next big thing. Like, you need to advertise on Facebook. You need to make these mini documentaries. You need to... uh, you know, this is gonna take over, and then obviously YouTube became as as big as it it has, and and now it seems like if you're not creating content or putting out stuff on YouTube, whether you're a brand, an athlete, uh fight promotion, motocross team, like it doesn't matter. Like you have to, it, you just have to be making videos now, and I think it it's just crazy. We kind of we kind of just paralleled it at really the same time, and and sort of did similar things and now live a similar lifestyle in a way, which I just think is super cool.
1: Yeah, for a similar reason as well, because I wanted to be, I wanted to do jiu-jitsu full-time. Uh, but through injuries, actually got my foot broke and had a dislocated arm, so I couldn't train. You know, I had a pretty severe dislocated arm. So that took a year before I could come back and train. I was a blue belt then. And that just kind of put me on the sidelines. Of my so to stay involved in the sport, that's when I picked up a little video camera Mm. and started filming seminars and training just to keep involved in the sport to keep on learning because I was just fascinated with jiu-jitsu I just loved it right from day one Mm. so
2: what
0: did you what originally got you into it
1: jiu-jitsu I've always been interested in I've always like I loved uh, skateboarding you know any kind of sport rugby football but just seeing it on tv I tried a bunch of martial arts when I was younger like aikido karate but Enough, it, the ones I did and I'm not sure if it was a very good uh, academy I went to I, I, it didn't seem like it would work it didn't seem legit Yeah. Um, and then I saw UFC on TV I had no idea what UFC was and I asked a few people what is this UFC because that looks like it's real it's not fake it's not WWE and they said no it's like mixed martial arts I'm like, I wanna do it. I'm 22 at this time working in a health club just uh, on the reception. Yeah. One of the um, colleagues I was working with did Muay Thai boxing. So he took me down to my first Muay Thai session. And that's when I got hit in the face really for the first time. <laughs> and actually, you know, we actually did sparring. I was like, all right, this is real. And then I saw everyone in the kimonos after class. The second class was Jujitsu, So I was just watching them all on the ground. And you know, yeah, I jumped in and you know, just got hooked i preferred that i picked that over muay thai
0: i think that there's definitely like a an intelligence sort of thing that that comes into it and i I think that yeah like there's an understanding that you have of like not only just the techniques but like what the sport is if that makes sense Mm. i think some people can look at it and just not get it but i think that for the people that look at it and then do get it and like oh I really see what's going on there they're the sort of people that can kind of like fall in because I mean essentially that's where I've been I like wanted to start jiu-jitsu forever but because I was travelling I was like worried that it was so complex that I'd need like a long time before I could actually like fit it into travelling but now that I've started I'm like you're a fucking idiot like you should have just gone for three, four weeks and you would have at least had the confidence then to just like kind of go to, to any other gym and do it. But I mean, sort of hindsight's always twenty twenty. I feel like yeah. everyone in jiu jitsu is like, oh, I wish I started it earlier.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, even that went through my head. But if I had started it earlier, maybe because I knew I started late, and that yeah. pushed me. because like, oh, I think I'm. I, I better like train hard if I want to do this as a profession. I better, you know, put the time in. So, what if I started earlier? Would I've You know, trained as hard as I did. You know. Yeah,
0: I guess that's like you sort of find shit at the right time. Yeah, I definitely
1: found it the right time for me. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. And even those accidents, that was all a blessing in disguise. Me dislocating my arm, breaking my foot, it led me into the filmmaking, which allowed me to travel the world and travel the best guys in the world. And then I kind of went back into competing again. So it was all all worked out in the end better (laughs) yeah
0: (laughs) that's what like so we've spent a few days hanging out um you come and did some stuff at Lockies. i trained with you here this morning and you're definitely like a super positive optimistic person and it's like you can tell even when like you say when i was like i wish i found it sooner and your immediate response is like no i found it at the right time it's like you've kind of you've got that uh that positivity thing which is i think what pushes you forward in film because there's so many challenges to to kind of living the lifestyle that we've both lived i guess like you kind of always have to be yeah on the positive end of the spectrum because like there's a lot of curveballs that get thrown at you when you're sort of traveling and then just generally like the insecurity of like working for yourself and maintaining relationships while you're traveling and all that kind of all the bullshit that comes with it that doesn't make the YouTube ADCC highlight video.
1: Yeah, but it's definitely, it's all or nothing with me. I mean, I'm positive with what, I'm, with what I enjoy, but if it's stuff I don't enjoy, like when I was at school, you know, I, I was just miserable mm. doing job, I, I was always, str- I always thought there was something wrong with me because every job I had growing up, I just quit or got fired because yeah. I had zero interest and I'd just be depressed I don't want to do this but if I, if I like something I'll do it 100% but I think that's to do with my obsessive compulsive disorder I learned how to channel that into a good yeah. thing
0: you know? I struggle with um, I struggle with that exact same thing like, like even my parents so I pretty much when I left school I worked in a brick factory and I had these ideas of like, I wanted to print like motocross graphics and stuff like that, to, again, just to stay in motocross. Cause like the film thing just hadn't even crossed my mind at all. So I was like, I'm gonna work in this brick factory, which was 12 hour shifts. I started at three out, three in the afternoon and finished at three in the morning. And I, my job, the bricks came out of the, um, the kilns, went onto a conveyor belt, conveyor belt come across me. And then I had to look to see if there was any cracks or chips or anything like that. And then if there was, I'd pick up the house block and then across from me was a skip. And then you'd throw it into the skip and then the forklift would come and they'd take it away. And it was like, I just did that because I was like, well, I fucking know for sure I won't, I can't work for someone. So I wanted to do the most mindless, dumbest shit I could so that I could think about what it was that I actually wanted to do. And and man, I'm the same. And even with film, like it's held me back in at times because i've if it's something i'm not into like i just don't want to do it and it's like a blessing because the stuff that you're into you can do better than anyone at times because of the passion and the obsessive compulsive kind of nature that you spoke about yeah but then on the flip side like fucks a lot of other shit up in your life so it's like you've really gotta it i guess it's just like that duality of of life in general right yeah you kind of have to take the uh the good with the bad because it's like without that bad would you be as good as what you are at the stuff that you do yeah you know what I mean um when did you start to really travel with it
1: so <clears throat> I got my my first popular video it was the ADCC highlight and that's when I met Braulio Steamer so I did a few videos of him and they got popular right away they were getting crazy amounts of views um then I got my purple belt and that's when I had the idea hey I could probably do this like in Brazil I could go to Brazil and film a lot of people because it was kind of limited in the UK I'd have to wait for you know the top athletes to come over and do seminars so I heard about a jiu-jitsu hostel out in Rio de Janeiro and you know as soon as you get involved in jiu-jitsu you want to go to Brazil that's Mm. the first place you want to go so I contacted a guy called Dennis Ash, who owned the hostel and said, Hey, Dennis, I don't know if you've seen my videos, uh, but I'd love to come out to Brazil and make a few more. So uh, if you're interested, could you give me a free stay at your hostel and free jujitsu training? And in return, you know, I'll make these documentaries and put your company logo on the beginning and the end and promote your hostel. Yeah. And he jumped right on and said, Yeah, when do you want to come? you know and just gave me a free sleep it was really helpful so when I went out there he was actually very well connected as well so he put me in contact with Kira Gracie uh Husamah Polharis who wasn't as hated as he is right now at yeah. that time <laughs> um and it all just was a domino effect
0: from there yeah it's crazy that um yeah I suppose like once you kind of once you kind of start and the ball gets rolling it's just I don't know it seems like it yeah, it has a way of like gathering this kind of unstoppable momentum in a way. And you
1: just got to roll with it as well, but sometimes it did get overwhelming. I was just in a different country all the time. I was just flying all over the place.
0: You know? mm. So, how old were you when you kind of started doing that? Twenty six, twenty yeah, okay. five. Because how old twenty six? now? Thirty three. Yeah. So you're like yeah. So you're three years older than me. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So. Wow, it's been for yeah, like almost seven years of travelling. You know, it's been wild. It really has, you know. How many countries
0: do you think you've been to now?
1: I need to count. Actually I've no idea. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be interesting. I've got I've gone through several passports. Yeah, you know.
0: Yeah. And so you're in Brazil and then did did it kinda instantly take off to where you were sort of you could like kinda write your own ticket to wherever you wanted to go?
1: Um I think I, I was just kind of, I would make, wherever I was, like, uh, so I was in Brazil and then I met a guy called Patrick Vickers, who was the promoter, one of some quite high up in Cage Warriors. And just through meeting him and uh, showing him my videos, when I came back to England uh, from Brazil, he gave me a job at Cage Warriors. Yeah. So he just Facebooked me and said, Stu, you wanna, we need a video guy. So I always found I made contacts. Yeah. And with Cage Warriors, the job was, like they would fly me to Jordan, Dubai, you know, Ireland, um, all over Europe, you know, just to do highlight videos. Yeah. Um, so I did that for a while, and then I had the idea, I want to go out to Thailand and do this. Yeah. It seems to be working. People seem to take me up on my offer. So, yeah, I, I actually contacted Tiger Muay Thai, which is where we are now, and then they took me in right away. So, yeah, <laughs> it's pretty it's pretty amazing, you know, the amount of places I've been, been able to go.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, it's funny that... Yeah, I mean like it's honestly like the same story that that I've kinda yeah. got. But was were you uh did you ever have like doubts in yourself or anything like that that kinda stopped you asking or were you always a person that you just didn't give a fuck and would always ask, would always throw stuff out there and yeah. and it seemed like shit always kinda come? Yeah, I
1: I just I would just I wasn't afraid to ask. Yeah. <clears throat> the worst I could say is no. Yeah. So but yeah, no,
0: I would just, I would just do it. <laughs> it's, just get it's, it done. So, it's so crazy because like how many people have come to you and said like, oh, can you give me some tips on how to get into this and how to get into that? And yeah. it's like for some people, it just comes so naturally, like guys like yourself. And, and even for me, like to get, um, you know, like to do the work that I did for the, for the Lockie camp and then to come and um, be here with you. And like I extended my trip because I knew Mark Hunt was here. And it's like, I don't know him. And you, you kind of go up, and you just introduce yourself and you ask and, and you hope that, I guess the hope is that the work that you've done in the past is enough of a resume that anyone can yeah. kind of take you on. And you, you're almost like using that as like this constant resume. And it seems like the more you put out, the easier it is for people to say yes, because there's such a library of work. That it kind of becomes obvious to people that you're actually like going to follow through on what you say yeah
1: that's very true I mean now I haven't did actually I had a break at about maybe a one and a half two year break of making videos but because I had that much of a library of stuff I'd already done now when I'm going you know like recently I filmed with Craig Jones you know yeah. the portfolios are all already there you know so uh, I contacted him and he was you know right away he was up for doing some filming with me Lachlan Giles so even after a two year break you know. (laughs) yeah
0: it's crazy because yeah when I got into it a lot of people like uh, Greg one of the guys um, who trains with me at Gaylord Brothers he's a brown belt and he's like dude when you get to uh, Thailand you have to go to Tiger and you got to meet Stuart Cooper so I mean there's like you've got this like name within the industry for the filming and then the athlete like super unique the way that you've kind of created this like niche within the sport like everybody knows who you are it's crazy yeah.
1: it's weird i don't even, i didn't even realize it myself after a couple of years you know mm. um but yeah people actually telling me you're a brand now I'm yeah like, holy oh, shit this uh, yeah it's kind of weird to think about how and fast it happened as well but i think a lot of it is i didn't have when i did it i didn't have any ties sorry yeah, yeah I didn't have any ties back home so I wasn't afraid to travel I wasn't afraid to sleep on a gym floor you know I didn't have a girlfriend back home I didn't have a mortgage mm. you know all these things that most people have tying them down I was just free yeah free to go wherever I want I, I didn't have to be back in England I didn't have to be anywhere you know and I was I was quite you know comfortable sleeping wherever <laughs> you know yeah
0: that, that, I guess like that's where my like my nickname Gypsy came from is because basically when I did end up getting a camera being super into motocross and racing I kind of knew all like the up-and-coming dudes and then it was like when all those up-and-coming dudes became the dudes then I kind of had an in with all these people now all these companies wanted were endorsing them and they're on all the biggest teams and, and I had access to all these people and you mix that with exactly what you said. Like, I didn't have any ties, man. Like, I could do whatever I want. Like, I, I had a fucking Toyota Hiace, and I lived in that son of a bitch for, like, three years. And I just drove around Australia to every big race I could where every big-name dude was. And then in between all that shit, I would just sleep on their couch. Or if I had nowhere to sleep, I'd sleep in the bed in my van. Like, I had a, a proper mattress that was just, like, laid on the floor of my high ace and like that was that was my life and to some people some people aren't whether it's out of like uh ego or whether it's out of um fear they they're not down to do those those hard yards because i think that like people don't get that when you start a business you know they say like something percent ninety percent of businesses fail in the first year or whatever it's because it's so fucking hard and as much as you want the freedom to travel all around the world and to not have a boss and not and do all the the things that you get to do now people want that less than they want to be comfortable a lot of times yeah and it's like guys like yourself and and i i mean i know what you've been through without even you telling me your story like just the the facts i do know i fucking i know what you've what you've had to go through because it's it's shit I've had to do and I was never too like like never too proud to sleep on someone's couch I was never too proud to be broke as fuck and just getting to the next round I never cared I never cared because all I wanted was that freedom and that freedom to be able to do what I want to do and almost like I guess like the um, like the promise of what it could be in the future is enough to just have you go fuck it i don't need money i don't need a house i don't need any of this bullshit because it's like that that little light at the end of the tunnel is like this place that you've always dreamed of being and that's with no one being able to tell you what to do being able to do what you want to do but i just think everyone kind of wants that that light at the end of the tunnel but In those first few years the shit that you have to go through it's like fucking army boot camp but for years
1: yeah i mean you never know when the next paycheck is coming as well Mm. you know it's kind of scary sometimes and you know when when we're going through this we post all these pictures like and there's all these different countries me and all these famous people but people like you said we don't they don't see what happens you know leading up to that you know the amount of traveling Mm. that goes into it you know um yeah years and years of traveling and you know, as i was telling you my, my health it really took a, yeah. an impact on my health which is why i had to step away for a while yeah, it's uh, crazy. the that job
0: you got so run down that you had to almost ki- almost, killed me. <laughs> almost crazy. killed me well even like i was thinking on the way here so it's like a fucking bazillion degrees right now in thailand and my hotel is probably a kilometer down the road i had 40 kilo bag a backpack that's probably another 20 kilos and then my camera. And I had to fucking trudge that shit down here because I don't have a car here. So I had to walk for like a kilometer with all my equipment to do the podcast. It's like, that shit sucks. It fucking sucks. And I'm not Instagramming that because my hands are full. I got no fucking Wi-Fi. You know, like, you're right. It's like the highlight reel goes on Instagram. But it's like, come and carry this fucking shit around Thailand for weeks And then have salt getting in, you know, like sweat getting in all your gear, which you paid thousands of dollars for and shit getting broken by the airlines. Like it's just, and then not to mention like the fatigue that you feel.
1: Like- Oh my God, it's horrible. You know, and we were talking, you were saying the other day, is this a common thing? like chronic fatigue syndrome yeah. which is something I actually developed and my uh, my housemate is just <laughs> he was also a filmmaker does he fly a lot he travels all the time he's just been diagnosed with chronic fatigue syndrome mm. and he had the same symptoms I had
0: yeah I'm for sure like I I don't think I ever went and got it it diagnosed but when I was living in the states I like 100% had chronic fatigue like there were days I just couldn't get out of fucking bed yeah. and I'd walk from the bed to the couch and that was it Like my brain wasn't working, my body wasn't working. I wasn't hungry. I wasn't. I was just tired. Everything about me was just tired.
1: Can't concentrate, right? No, there's there's um, nothing there. Imagine, no, for people that don't understand, you know what it's like to be jet lagged after a seventeen-hour flight. But imagine doing that every week. Mm. What that's gonna do to your body? Because being up there, miles in the sky is not is not natural. So I don't know what it is that's happening to your body up there. But it can really, you travel a lot, it messes your body up. It, it's it's pretty pretty brutal. Yeah,
0: there's a thing, I wish I knew exactly what it was called, but I found out about this through my friend who's actually a commercial pilot. Um, and he was telling me that there's some, it's some form of like altitude sickness that you get. And it's responsible for like basically giving you chronic fatigue, but it's through, it's with people that just spend like a lot of time uh flying and it's just years and years of of that altitude and it just fucks you up and you get like crazy chronic fatigue yeah it's a gnarly spot to be in
1: yeah it's uh i wish that on nobody no
0: even sunday like because with i did this camp and then so i had to film the camp but i also was trying to train in the camp and it was like full-on training and i mean even like the rolling with you like i was putting everything into every role every day I think I probably trained for maybe four and a half hours a day for the full eight days that I was at that camp. And then Sunday, when we kind of went out, like none of us could even go out. We were all just like, fuck yeah, we're going to hit Patong Beach. We're going to party. And uh, we didn't even get there. Like I was fucking exhausted, man. And then Sunday, I woke up and we all got breakfast. And I was basically falling asleep at breakfast because I don't know if you get it, but it's like I've done trips where... Like we shot this uh, film for Red Bull and it was at Lake Tahoe and I think it, it's at like twelve or 14,000 feet. Oh no, not that high. It's about eight thousand, eight to 10,000 feet uh, elevation. And so I think in the four days we walked on foot with camera gear 22 miles at that elevation. And it was like the... one of the gnarliest film jobs I've ever done but I could push through until it's over and once it's over I just fucking melt like I just fully collapse and it's like there's a thing in your head because you know you have to get it done that you like won't let yourself really feel the effects of being tired until it's over and it's been a while since I've had that because I've been doing the podcast and it's not like crazy physically demanding Mm -hmm. but then this week for filming and then training and like every time I was uh finished training i'd race back to the hotel i would dump the footage i charge my batteries while everyone else at the camp's chilling and you know kind of doing their thing and even on the tours i was still filming and then bang it's five o'clock you got to be back at the gym and then you're there till 7 7 30 same thing back to the hotel do your dinner go back charge your batteries but yeah sunday dude i, I was basically asleep at breakfast and then when i got back from breakfast i just I was supposed to check out and I was like, yeah, hey, it's not fucking happening. I mean, yeah. and I, I just I had to sleep. I
1: mean, this is why I took a two-year break. I just could not travel anymore. I mean, I was always good at jiu-jitsu and I was always quite a heavy, strong guy. But through constant traveling, my weight just declined. I ended up being 70 kilograms and I was always around 88, I could not 90, imagine you at yeah, 70. Yeah, I'm 90 now. kilograms right now, a healthy 90 kilograms. Could you imagine me at 70? So this, I went down to 70 when I was a brown belt. And I just remember traveling around and people, I was getting smashed by blue belts. And like people were oh, this guy was meant to be like, okay, I thought he was a brown belt. But people didn't realize how what I was going through. You know, uh, which, so when I took a two-year break, that's when I took the time to, you know, put the weight back on, get my health back, so. You get back to a fucking straight killer. Yeah, so like since I've stopped, I've, my jiu-jitsu's got so much better again, you know. But um, as I was telling you, uh, when you do a lot of traveling, I was start to suffer with insomnia.
0: Yeah, so a lot of that, so um, that, yeah, let's talk about that because I did we like touched on it, but I didn't fully. Yeah, we didn't fully. Get I was always
1: it. tired. Yet I couldn't sleep. so I made the mistake because you just fucking you buy these things over the counter here I started taking I'm actually going to
0: hit the cameras before I go home yeah that's that's
1: okay but I actually started taking um, diazepam and Xanax just to sleep Mm. and that I didn't there was ignorance on my part I just kind of I didn't realize how bad these things are for you you're only supposed to take them like every now and again yeah but I was taking them for flights and then when I'd arrive if I'm jet lagged I would take them again but this became because I was flying all the time this became a bad habit yeah before I know it I'm a year in and I'm taking probably like two diazepams a day and am not knowing how addictive these things are for you so, so years would and years you, in
0: were you like telling people that you're on this stuff
1: no no I was just take it because you buy them so, really cheap here yeah know? and
0: so you didn't have anyone that was going like hey dude these are gnarly like you gotta you gotta be careful with them you just know, thought no. it was like consequence free in a way
1: I mean I think about a year six months to a year in once I because I started getting a bad memory I started becoming quite slow you know <laughs> uh, quite a slow thinker and people even commenting like are you okay you know you seem a bit drowsy all the time mm. and then i did my research on the internet and i realized oh shit i've been taking these things a lot and i actually flew to melbourne and i didn't take any with me because i knew they were illegal then they're pretty strict getting into melbourne so i didn't take any what was my, illegal uh, the diazepam? Uh, diazepam unless you have a prescription but you just buy it buy them over the counter here mm. um So I arrived in Melbourne, and I've been taking like one or two of these pills every day for a couple of years now, and it's the first time I didn't have any. So I'm in Melbourne, and then my body starts going into withdrawal effects. And it's like like lightning, flash headaches. It was, yeah, like extreme anxiety. And right away, I kind of knew what it was. I Googled, you know, withdrawals from diazepam, it come up, every symptom that I had. So I had to fly back to Thailand early, go to the pharmacy as soon as I took one. I was fine and that's when i realized i had a problems so, oh sh- like what because that's how drug addiction it's addiction yeah. it's addiction and it's funny because this is a problem with school i mean when you're at school they teach you about all the hard drugs like don't don't take crack heroin and we all it, you know those kind of drugs but the, some of the most dangerous addictive drugs on the planet are the ones that they're they in a pharmacy yeah. the doctor will give you a prescription and not actually tell you how addictive these things are for you and because i buy it in a pharmacy and it's in a little silver oh, pack little you kind of just think oh, it's, it's not that bad you know it's not like i'm buying it off a street corner of some drug dealer you know um but I, I, then i went back to uk because i realized i could have to stop taking these mm. but you can't just stop taking them you know it's because um, yeah, your body will go into seizures which is exactly what happened so i went back to uk and i told my mum, and dad i say, hey look um I need to I've been taking these kind of sleeping pills I need to stop taking them but I need to taper off and actually I didn't bring any back into UK cuz they're illegal there so we actually went to a doctor and I told him the truth you know I've been taking one of these every day for a few years I don't have any but I want to taper off the doctor wouldn't help me because because I self medicated so I said, but I can, f- and then I started going into withdrawal. I went back the next day to speak to him again. I said, look, you're going to have, you're going to have to help me. He would not help me. And then sure enough. So people are just looking
0: at you like you're a fucking junkie, basically.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Just like, you know, like it was my own fault, but I don't think the doctors were really clue. I'm not sure if they knew what, you know, like how bad, how bad were, the yeah. withdrawals are. And then I, I started to feel like I started getting little muscle twitches all over my body. Mm. Uh, I remember my mum and dad going out for a walk in the morning. They came back and I, they just found me unconscious on the floor. I'd actually had a seizure. Fuck. I'd fell face down, split my orbital bone open, and luckily they got back just in time. Where my mum's a former nurse, she rolled me into the recovery position. All, I don't remember any of this. Uh, and then the, I just remember the paramedics waking me up going, Stuart, do you know where you are? Do you know what day it is? What year it is? And um, yeah, so I'd once, i once, luckily I came around from that. They took me into the hospital and it took me a couple of weeks to kind of get my memory back. I, mean, I was Fuck. really fucked up. So then I went there. We actually found a doctor who helped me. It was illegal for him to help me. He was doing it under the table, you know, like he wasn't allowed to have a record of it. So if you go to the doctor and you're an alcoholic they will give you diazepam for, to help you come off. If, you are, if I had gone to him and said, oh, I'm flying tomorrow, can I have some diazepam? Sure. But if you go to the doctor and tell him, I've been taking diazepam and now I've run out and I've self-medicated and I'm going through withdrawals, they won't help you. It's kind of messed up system in the UK.
0: It's crazy so, that, I guess, like Western culture just generally has a system of punishment as opposed to understanding. And then it's very quick to put you in a box of like oh you're a drug addict yeah and you should be punished but there's there's no like everything has gray area man and i think that there needs to be a lot more understanding understanding why people because like i had this conversation the other day i've got some people that i know that have drug problems in their life and i've had some uh really bad experiences with those people right and for a really long time i was like i hated the drug but i didn't hate the person yeah and and i I, it was like this weird uh relationship that i kind of created with like drugs in inverted commas and it's like well it's not like say you've got diazepam in the silver packet and it's just sitting there then it's that's not gonna hurt anyone and the thing that kind of annoys me about this is that the same could be said for guns and I'm not a big proponent of not a big fan of guns Mm. but without someone squeezing the trigger then it, it is just an object and I think that the responsibility needs to then fall back on the person which in this instance would be yourself and then if you then look at you it's like why what led you to do this and then there's ignorance there on your behalf there's, there's always ignorance innocent plain innocent yeah. ignorance
1: but once it's too late it's too late I was, yeah. I was too deep in when i realized and i realized but everything was going so well in my life like we said it was a domino effect i was getting jobs here jobs here jobs here and i'm thinking well i can't quit now i can't go in because i knew mm. i was going to go for withdrawals because everything's going so well. If I quit now, I won't get this job or I won't get to yeah. go and film this guy, this guy. So I basically sacrificed my health. You to know, I working. carried on taking them for once I knew I had a problem. I carried on. It was probably another year or so. I just carried on taking them because it wasn't the right time to come off. Yeah. Uh, but when it was, I actually, it was 10 months, 10 months to, to detox. Fuck. From, and I was only taking 20 milligrams, so two 10 milligram doses so a day. so you didn't
0: have to up the dose.
1: No, oh, no, okay. no. Yeah, luckily that, that happens. I've read some horror stories on the internet. Luckily, yeah. my situation wasn't bad. compared I've read stories that people are on the internet. You know, there's these little forums, people taking like 20 of them a day. Fuck. And I think if you're taking 20 a day, if, ooh, that's you're gonna down. be. You're Yeah, you're gonna die. Yeah, yeah, it's not gonna go well for you. But luckily, I didn't go too far. Mm. down the line but it still took me 10 months and those withdrawals coming off diazepam they're horrific really? horrific so what kind of symptoms did you have um i couldn't sleep at all like really? maybe i was lucky if i got one or two hours a night for probably six months and ex- so what diazepam does it's like an anti-anxiety it puts you to sleep and so it's the opposite so when you come off these things yeah. you have extreme anxiety and paranoia and you just can't sleep you can't relax you're irritable all the time you just an extreme depression so look I went into depression but I knew what it was because I'm not really I don't get depressed no, I'm quite a positive a person happy, positive, I'm back yeah. to myself now but I went through very bad, like depre- symptoms of depression, but luckily I knew what it was, and I knew this wasn't gonna last. Yeah, you know, I kept telling myself like, "This is gonna be over. You're gonna get through it. You're gonna get through it." But oh, man, the craving though—that
0: though, you could keep that mindset. because yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I'm dealing with um, people that uh, are having problems, which are valid problems. Like it's a re- there's a reason they should be feeling the way they are. Yeah. And that message of like, it's going to get better. It's going to get better. It's so fucking hard for yeah. someone to see when they are just got that fucking cloud over a man. And like, yeah. you just, its it, hard. you have to have so much understanding and compassion for somebody that's going through that. Because a lot of times they can't do what you did and say, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Because fuck, man, that's a heavy, mm. it's a heavy thing to wear every single day. Yeah.
1: I mean, uh, so even after the 10 months after I was fully off, everything, they, I can't describe the cravings to you. Like, you just want to take one. And he, I was clean. I was finally off them for a couple months. But I still just, all I could think about was like just taking one because, really? because I still had the symptoms. I still, this is, I had the, like the fatigue, I couldn't concentrate, I was still depressed. And I got a job offer out in Singapore and I'm like, I took it, but I knew I couldn't leave the country. So, right. if I, if I,
0: all I was telling Singapore myself. Was like crazy for drugs. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, exactly. They, they are fucking, that's a place you don't want to mm. be.
1: Right. So, I knew if I took, if I went out to Singapore now, all I'm thinking is I'll probably end up in a pharmacy and buy some more, you know, just tell myself, yeah. just go and buy 10, just to get you through the first week. That's how addiction works. But mm. I knew what it was. So, luckily for me, a blessing in disguise, my appendix just went, went gangrenous. So, I couldn't fly out to Singapore. So it was the best thing that ever happened. at the time i'm like why is this happening to me i'm going from w- through withdrawals now my appendix go but that made me back. That, that made me stay back and i had time to think really think right right you're gonna you still have a problem here you're yeah. gonna you cannot leave you know home and go back and out into the world without dealing this problem because you still have strong cravings you're not you're not right you're not yourself
0: so what was it about what was the cravings do you think it was still the actual physical cravings for the drug or yeah. was it mentally that it had become like a crutch for you to lean on? I
1: think it's a bit of both. I mean, cause those diazepam's they literally change your brain chemistry. They raise the serotonin levels in your brain, as in the, I, I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so when you suddenly stop taking them, your brain isn't releasing serotonin or dopamine, these like mm. happy chemicals, the reward chemicals. So even though it's training, going for walks, trying to do everything right, Um, I wasn't my brain just wasn't
0: training like you just still it helped it
1: helped but it was flat you know I did everything right during those 10 months I was out walking twice a day listening to positive music watching positive films Um, so you took it like really seriously oh I took it because I knew like I wouldn't have my life back. Yeah. Once you look into the, the you know, uh, how how bad these drugs are, like Xanax and Diazepam. It's a lot of people don't come back from it because the withdrawals are so uh, severe.
0: Have you seen like uh, any of the like new rapper shit that comes out and they're all like singing about Xans? There's like a no. rapper called Lil Xan. The the whole Xanax thing's back hard, dude. Oh no. Yeah, and uh, they're the
1: worst. I mean, that and opiates are the worst. I think.
0: Yeah. Well, this kid. Um, his name is little pump and like dead set dude like his music is on another fucking level like he was yeah. doing some really 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 amazing shit 20 21 22 and overdosed on a xanax that had fentanyl in it oh no so yeah. now people are like
1: fentanyl what prince died of Prince overdosed. Yeah, and like same that. with
0: fucking um,
1: Whitney Houston, fuck? Philip Seymour Hoffman, and mm, uh, so many people. Tom Petty. Yeah.
0: Tom Petty, they said was was Xanax as uh, was Xanax as well.
1: Yeah, it's usually a combination. It's usually a combination of alcohol, benzos, yeah, um, and opiates. Just down ro- as, like, yeah, down as, yeah, can't, can't throw some Adderall in there, some Vicodin. A lot of people that have these kind of crazy jobs, they fall into these, seems to be the drugs of choice, mm. you know, just because of the travel and the hours involved in it. But like I said, so I knew that my, it was my brain, my rule, I knew I was still having these symptoms because my brain chemistry was all messed up. Mm. So the doctor said, it's probably going to be a few years before you feel normal again, before you can concentrate. And I couldn't edit, I couldn't do video, I couldn't, my jujitsu was shit. I couldn't think. Mm. So that's when I came across ayahuasca, i'd heard about it before through podcasts like joe rogan podcast um i'd always fascinated me it was like, this sounds interesting but then i read i don't know how i came across it but i read online that ayahuasca is a known as a cure an actual mm. cure for depression anxiety addiction so i thought i need i can't like i said i can't go back out into the world maybe maybe this could help maybe i could I don't know it's worth a try because nothing else is working the doctor hasn't suggested anything else so I told my mom and dad I was going to London for a weekend filming because mm. I knew they wouldn't you know understand so, what yeah. I was about how to do how old were
0: you when this was happening by the way oh this
1: is like two and a half years two years ago it's not so long this ago is not this old is old, very no. recent ah, yeah crazy. and I'm like 70 kilograms at this time I'm still not I'm still not myself So luckily, you are
0: uh, now strong as absolute fuck as I found out over the last few days. I mean,
1: once you get through that, I mean, once I got healthy again, I've just been working hard because life is so good right now. That's crazy. I got my life back. But um, I found an ayahuasca place in Denmark. So I told my mum and dad I'm going to London because I knew they wouldn't understand. And I flew to Denmark for the weekend. I got a flight uh, to Copenhagen, met up with a bunch of people and a shaman who we then drove three, four hours to a ferry point where we got a ferry over to an island called Fimu, Uh, so we got a two-hour boat ride over to Fimu, and there's only a hundred people that live on this island, and we participated in this ayahuasca ceremony, two nights drinking ayahuasca, so I did the diet, I did this last minute, so I was only able to diet for a week,
0: so what are you supposed to do on the diet?
1: Um, no caffeine, no coffee, no stimulants, no meat. Pretty okay, much. I'm never doing oh, dude, I just, <laughs> <laughs> it's hard. Quitting coffee is the hardest thing. Yeah, but yeah, uh, I just nice. ate brown rice and broccoli for a week. Um, so when I went there, the first night drinking it, it was a pretty amazing experience. Um, I had a lot of visuals, you know. And, um, it wasn't overwhelming. It was, it was nice. I think it was like a tester. But then the second night, I had two and a half glasses. I went deep yeah right. and that's that it's very hard you can't put into words you know what actually happens that's crazy. um but i remember the day after two nights drinking ayahuasca i remember waking up in the morning and feeling feeling myself i felt happy i felt like how i used to feel i felt full of energy I like actually went for a run on femo i've just been dragging my feet for like a while you know for months and I went for a run. I'm, I was just so upbeat and I couldn't believe it. We sat around in a circle and you talk about your experiences with the medicine, what you know, what, um, what you saw, what visuals you had. And I remember flying back from FEMA, we got back into Manchester, went back home. My mum and dad saw, they saw how I was. And they're like, what, what happened to you this weekend? You They said, yeah, what did you do? And went, oh, I met a girl the weekend. That's all I could think of. (laughs) I'm not going to tell him I was just drinking ayahuasca in Denmark. pussy. (laughs) Yeah. So they're like, oh, wow, you seem really happy. And I'm like, yeah, I feel great. And then from that point, the first thing I did was sign up to a jiu-jitsu tournament. And then I signed up to a gym. I started lifting weights again. Started getting back into jiu-jitsu again. My weight piled on quick. You know, muscle memory is a real thing because I was always Mm. quite heavy before. And then, yeah, um, I went out to, to Singapore. I took the job offer, and then I got my life back. But once you get through something like that, it, it was a rough, it, one hell of a rough period. But once you get through something like that, it can only make you stronger. mentally stronger. And it, it definitely made me grow up. It made me think I had a, a long time to think about life, you know. And, uh, because you're so in your head
0: through that depression.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I had a long time to, you know... It's amazing what these, these psychedelics can do. I've really like, researched on a lot of it right now. But it didn't just help me with my, um, you know, the symptoms that I had. Uh, certain fallouts that I'd had over the years. You know, through life, we we meet people. We have we fall out with friends. We fall out with family. Yeah. You know, and then for some reason, it, I, I remember I was ca- for certain people, I was carrying a lot of hate. Like if I ever see that guy again, I'm gonna you know gonna knock him out. Or, you know, just stupid, stupid yeah. stuff. After doing this ayahuasca, it made me realize well, why am I holding on to all this hate for these certain people, you know. And I was able to let that go. I actually contacted all my, the people I'd had fallouts with, all my ex-girlfriends who had fallouts with, and just apologized. I said, "I'm so sorry," you know. It's, it was it was quite 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 a big thing for me to do that, you know, to mm. just let go of this. There's a saying. Uh, holding on to hate is like letting someone live rent-free in your mind. Yeah, something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah, there was a. I got a lot of, a lot of benefits from uh, doing the ayahuasca.
0: Yeah, it's something that. that a for the video. Um, it's something that I haven't done, but it's definitely a, something that I'm gonna do. Um, but. What was your experience with psychedelics before that? Like, have you ever done any psychedelics?
1: I, um, I tried mushrooms when I was like 21. And I even think that had an effect on me that I didn't realize. Because I was going down the whole nine to five route. Went to university. I'm about to get a job in London. You know, I, sorry, I did get a job in London. Sit at a desk eight to six every day in front of a computer. I went out to then uh, uh, sorry amsterdam and i did mushrooms for the first time and that made me realize like, whoa what
0: what, what the fuck am i doing what the fuck am under? i doing
1: like do jujitsu just do jujitsu full-time yeah i remember having the experience and that's exactly what i went back to london i quit my job and just started doing jujitsu full-time and that led me down the filmmaking path and yeah this went from there but i don't think at the time i realized what how much of an effect that uh, those psilocybin mushrooms had on me because it uh, the I'm not sure how they work. There's a lot of science, a lot of research going into them right well, now.
0: Basic basically the way that I understand it is that the psilocybin molecule is basically the same as oh, it binds to your serotonin receptors in the same way that serotonin does, but it doesn't deplete you like the way that uh ecstasy and all of those kind of like they actually flood your brain with yes. that and it's Uh, like an artificial serotonin and there's so much that then your body that's why you have like those big come downs on it but i'm pretty sure there's just something crazy that's actually in the sylvan molecule that just slides straight into your brain and and it doesn't kind of give you a lot of those those negative effects but how deep did you go on that mushroom was it just you kind of like got Uh, it wasn't it it wasn't too deep it just
1: uh it kind of was a very it was the first time in my life I'd exp- had like a, an altered state of consciousness, you know, oh, like seeing okay. things differently for yeah. the first time. Like, I, never, I don't know, I think uh, just growing up, it's, it's hard to put into words, but all of a sudden I was like, wow, like I'm, a, I'm like a human. I'm in this meat suit, you know, yeah. like I'm just, this whole life is like a little video game, like yeah. d- find, it, find out what it is you want to do and what is it you really enjoy and just do that you only live once it kind of gave me a different way of thinking it gave me a perspective especially the ayahuasca this time you Mm. know it just gave me a whole new perspective on life
0: well you see like for the people like obviously a lot of people will watch the podcast but more people listen to it on iTunes so you're a big dude you're the you're the definition of like a, a heavyweight fighter basically tattoos big fucking dude imposing guy but when you talk and hang out with you, it's the opposite, you're the opposite of what you look like, which I think is why you're such an interesting character and even when you, like we've rolled together a couple of times now and there's, there's no aggression, there's no, like all of the things that I would expect from a guy that looks like you has the skill set you have, like you're one of the best jiu-jitsu athletes in the world at the moment, and it's like <laughs> well you de- you're competing at the at the highest level yeah. as a black belt and there's not there's not a huge population of people that can say that they do that mm. so for the skills that you have and the physical abilities that you have there's it would be forgivable almost to have an ego that would go along with that but it just doesn't fucking exist man like it's not there mm. and it's super interesting to me that like When you say, I was this guy before that held on to hate, and I could see that, man. I could see that being you. That's what you Mm. look like. You look like the guy that would hold on to hate and have falling out to people and then fucking... I was very different, very different. But yeah, like now you, you come across as the... The person that has had like that spiritual kind of enlightenment that you do get from doing those kind of things
1: yeah i mean think having i think it's a good thing to have this adversity in life you know it's weird to say but having what going through that experience that i went the withdrawals i wouldn't again i wish that on nobody but i'm glad that happened Mm. i'm very glad i'm very thankful for it even though it was brutal at the time it was more brutal for my family they didn't, they, I wasn't sure. I don't think they thought I was going to... They didn't it, know yeah. if I was going to make it. Did
0: you think about suicide and stuff? Or no, I never
1: actually had any of those thoughts because this is something... These are some of the symptoms when people are coming off these benzodiazepines. Uh, yeah. uh, suicidal thoughts are very... Yeah. You know, th- th- a lot of people have these. But I think for me, I had a good life. Before this happened, I had a great life. I was yeah. traveling the world. And then I fucked up. So, But I knew okay, if I get through this, I had a good life before. So I know I can have I can that back. back. Whereas other people might struggle getting off drugs because, you know, they live in the back streets of fucking, you know, New York, Edinburgh. They've never really had, you know, much, well that's the thing and then they find drugs and it makes them feel better Mm. and then they realize they have a problem and they're saying oh you're gonna have you're gonna have to come off these things but why life is shit yeah so there's no really reason to get off whereas me it was a lot easier because i i had a good life before and i wanted to i wanted it back
0: you know there's a there's a ted talk i'm not sure if you've watched it but if you haven't i'll send it to you and i mean fuck anyone should listen to it It's, it's crazy there's a there's a guy that specializes in addiction and uh He did this talk and he said that before people did studies and tests on addiction with like rats and things like that, like they'd give rats cocaine and fucking that all overdose and die basically on cocaine. They're like, oh, this is the most addictive substance that you can give anybody because 100% of the rats that we gave cocaine to overdosed on cocaine and died. And then this guy was just like, this seems like kind of crazy that there's no outliers, there's no, like, it's just 100% if you do coke, you're fucking dead. And like, I don't know if you've fucking done coke, but I've done coke and I'm yeah, not dead. Yeah, you know huh, what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, is it, is it true that you, that 100% of people that do coke die? Because that's what these studies are starting start to say. No, I don't think that's true. You know, true. so they're saying it's so, it's so addictive.
1: <laughs> it's definitely very addictive. Um, but that's some, luckily, fortunately, that was something I never had a problem
0: with. Well, I think though, so this study, basically what they were studying is they were studying these rats that lived in a cage that had nothing in it just cocaine in their water so then it's like well if i'm if if you like we're in a fucking a conference room right now if all i had in this room i couldn't do anything else there was no fucking walls and there was some cocaine in some water i'm probably getting fucked up and dying if that was like that was your life that was it that's all you've ever known it's all you ever will know why would you not do it exactly yeah because you're like nothing else to do fucking shit i might as well feel good and then die as opposed to feel shit for a way longer time and then die so then this this researcher took these rats and then he put them in he put one rat like one set of rats in a cage with nothing else the same controlled study that they've always done and then he put these other rats in these like massive fucking cages with bitches to root and like all this fucking shit, all this activity going on, all these toys, constant enrichment, and then water and then cocaine water. And none of those rats died. Hmm. And it's like okay, so is it the rat, is it the drug or is it the cage? And I think that what you see, it's exactly what you said. It's like these people that have these drug addictions to these nasty drugs is they're the cheapest drugs and they live in completely fucking shit environments and it's like sure there are people that get out there are people that can say no but not everyone is built with that mental fortitude to kind of like say no and um fuck this thing um say no and then push through not everyone has that gear yeah and i think that it's not a fair chance for the people that don't have that gear because there's probably well there is people that get addictions and uh different things that do come from good lives and then they do overdose and they do die there, there is people that yeah. still have all of that and still succumb to it so it's like should we judge these people's people that have these shit lives they've only grow up in this place one percent of people get out to a better life and mm. it's like then again it's like that that punishment culture like punishing these people labeling them as these drug addicts and it's like fuck man put yourself in mm. their shoes well, what would you do if you couldn't get out like it's hard it's so hard even for like even for me right i've had a fucking great life i've had a great career i've i've, I've i'm one of the people that's like oh you're living the dream i am that person a hundred percent but there's been times for me where it's been so fucking hard that i want to quit and i'm over it mm. and i don't want to do it anymore so it's like and I'm a person that's been given all these opportunities and given all this stuff and I still have those feelings of like fuck Mm. this so it's like imagine the person that's never got an opportunity that's never been given the support that doesn't come from a place that even offers support it's not it's not a place where you'd want to be I just I, I can't judge people now when I see people that have these fucked up lives and again it's like it's it's the person that that that's had to make a choice and mm. sometimes it's the fucking it's the move <laughs> like yeah you know and you you just have to feel sorry for the situation that they will, that they either put themselves in or were put in it's just the cards they were dealt yeah. right yeah you know? and and again people get people get dealt shitty cards all the time and don't go down that road mm. but a lot of people do and it's
1: it's always the rundown areas, the poor areas where there's no jobs. So mm. what
0: else are they going to do? You know, yeah. they have nothing to
1: do. So um, there's actually a guy called Dr. Carl Hart. He's been on mm-hmm. Joe Rogan mm-hmm. podcast, the London Real podcast. And listening to him was fascinating because during my withdrawals, I was listening to a lot of things he was saying. He was talking exactly about this, mm-hmm. you know, and how he wants to, treat, you know, he was brought up in that society of everyone doing drugs. And he wondered why. And, and it's, the drugs are not to blame. Yeah. It's the surroundings and i know? think it's
0: so hypocritical to blame the drugs that are illegal to take yeah but then like you said you give you, someone turns to alcohol and then you're like oh you need to get into a 12-step program and mm-hmm. it's like we're going to help you get through this because alcohol is legal to buy yeah it can still fucking kill you the same as all this other shit it's yeah. just le- there's no stigma but then you talk about heroin or you talk about crack mm. You don't get that same level of support you get a lot of judgment and you're in a you're in a different place or self-medicating on prescription drugs it's it's a it's a real fine line of judgment that people make quite easily
1: it's changing towards psychedelics now right that stigma Mm. i think people are starting to realize that these things can actually help i mean it's crazy that you can go to the doctor and get some benzodiazepam some opiates that so many people die every day of Yet it's illegal to have to go and have a, a psychic that grows a, that grows a that grows. mushroom. It's illegal. They're gonna Dude. it's a class A drug. A class A drug means it's got no medicinal value and it's addictive. Mm. How the fuck is mushrooms and ayahuasca a class A drug? Something that actually helped me get off. It mm. cured addiction. It's not addictive. Mm. It's hard not to. Once you, you find this information. You not do mushrooms
0: all the time. You can't no, do mushrooms no. every day.
1: And ayahuasca, that's a brutal experience. You are throw, you're purging. You are uh, yeah, shitting a yourself. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a br- so why would you want to do you, There's no way you could do that every day physically. You, you would never do that every day.
0: Dude, it's crazy. I picked some mushrooms the other day. I was like out filming and there's like a big paddock and we just had some rain. It's a cattle property. So I just found a bunch of mushrooms growing and I was like, fuck, that's sick. So I picked these mushrooms. And while I was picking the mushrooms, I was like, this is fucking crazy that if I get caught driving home with these mushrooms, I'll get in trouble.
1: Yeah.
0: This shit grew grew out of the ground like a fucking dandelion. And there's... There's mushrooms that grow out of the ground that if I eat, I'll die or get sick, right? I can eat these mushrooms and I could maybe get sick in terms of like throwing up from the taste or whatever, but I'm not, I can't get sick. I can't die from these, these mushrooms. Hmm. But the, the one that I can't die from is illegal. But the one that I could eat and die, I can, I can pick that out of the ground and I can eat it hmm. and no one's going to stop me. They're just going to say you're a fucking idiot you shouldn't eat that it's poisonous yeah but one falls under this blanket from the Mm. government and one they're just like yeah whatever Mm. do what you want
1: like here in Thailand I I like to take when I have an injury now I do not touch any prescription drugs but I take uh, kratom kratom is a leaf oh really it's a leaf can you get that here If you know the right people, (laughs) dude, hook me up. Uh, I want to try that. Yeah, I can can hook you up if we can have some. I want to try that, yeah. It's It's an amazing plant and it eases people's opiate withdrawals. Yeah. And it's like a small dose is like a cup of coffee, higher dose is more like a sedative. But the the LD50 is a ridiculous amount, lethal dose. Yeah. Um, So you can't, it's almost impossible to overdose on. And if you have an injury, like you just had surgery, you can take Kratom to help. It's an, a bit of an anti-inflammatory, but it takes the pain away. It affects the same receptors in the brain as say tramadol, Vicodin, Percocet, fentanyl. Oh, shit. Yeah, it's illegal. It's highly illegal. It blows because, me away. do you know why? It cuts into the opiate profits. Yeah. That's why they banned it here like 40 years ago in Thailand, because it was cutting into the opiate profits. So it's illegal for you to go and pick a leaf off the tree and eat it you know for something that makes you for something that makes you feel better yeah you know but it's fine You've, you go and take these uh, prescription painkillers that's okay that as long is, as you're giving us money you. that, that will kill you
0: that 50 is low as fuck yeah be low careful as fuck. Yeah. be careful and don't have any alcohol because then yeah. you'll never wake up like it's fucking
1: crazy and they do I don't know what it is about these prescription drugs they do something to your brain you know they affect your overall health but something like Kratom it's an it's, it's an it helps you yeah, a lot yeah it doesn't slow your thinking down or your cognitive function it doesn't make you moody have your mood swings it's it doesn't have anything like that if you take too much you're probably gonna feel a little bit sick yeah you you're gonna have diarrhea good, yeah you know one thing i must point out about kraton though because a lot of people are trying to promote it at the moment and make it legal all over the world mm. again which is great because i think it should be but it's definitely addictive yeah there's withdrawals from kraton yeah for sure yeah. you know like uh, a lot of people uh yeah, they they pretend that it's not addictive, but it is. But the withdrawals, you know, I suppose, not too bad compared
0: to other drugs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a a big one that's going around. And then what's the other one that people are using at the moment to get off opiates? Um, shit. um
1: yes, iboga. Iboga. Yeah. Yes, which is. Tw- it's a root, right? Twenty-four to thirty-two hours. It's a root of a tree. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Twenty. Yeah. Twenty-four hours to thirty-two hours of the psychedelic trip. But apparently, it's a quite a brutal experience, yeah, it's really physically rough, demanding. Yeah. yeah. You're nauseous. You can't sleep for days, and but it resets the opiate receptors. So one thing that's about iboga is it's a complete. If you are a heroin addict or hooked on prescription painkillers, there's a ninety ninety-five percent success rate. Yeah. Whereas if you go into rehab. I think it's just crazy. I think it's like 90% rate, relapse, uh, rate. relapse rate. Yeah. You know, which is because once people, they rush people through the withdrawal uh, process, Programs, in, you yeah. know, in rehab. One thing I'm going to say about ayahuasca is if you are, if some people are listening and they want to do it, get off drugs, whatever it is, you, before you do ayahuasca, you have to be clean. If you are taking any kind of drug, antidepressant, benzo, yeah, okay. opiate, and then you do ayahuasca it's gonna you're gonna, gonna get you're gonna get serotonin syndrome and potentially die really that's why that's why a lot of uh, people say oh, i've heard people have died with ayahuasca yeah it's because they've had, the ayahuasca they've had they've right, had a combination because yeah. the ayahuasca re- releases so much serotonin and if you're taking another drug on top of that it's just an overload yeah right. yeah your body
0: just can't handle it so yeah you you touched on take pull that in a tiny <laughs> place closer um, you touched on a little bit about like the general experience of ayahuasca so did you get the purging and the shitting and all that
1: the first time I did it in Denmark I didn't get the purging so the first night I just went to the toilet a lot Yeah, yeah I, I was. everyone else in the room there was 18 people in the room and you don't know what it's going to do for you it, 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 it kind of gives you what you need mm. but I'm looking around the room and there's people going through shit you know there's one girl crying so hard And she, it sounds like she's in pain. Mm. Um, And there's another guy in the corner screaming. One guy in the corner was a snake. He sat upright on his yoga mat, like hissing like a snake. Another guy was a jaguar. (laughs) But for me, because I had just gone through, I was wondering why am I, because I I was ready for, I was prepared. Like I knew that you could potentially have quite a traumatic experience. Mm. And I was thinking, why is mine so amazing? Overwhelmingly just full of love and happiness. Just I was sat there lying on my yoga mat, didn't move for like four to five hours, really just in this bliss. But it's because I, the the last thing I needed was a
0: brutal experience, I'd just been through one. Yeah, it
1: basically brought me
0: back. Yeah, that experience showed you what it was like to feel those emotions. It did,
1: it gave, yeah, because in that experience, I was thinking about. My friends, my mom and dad, all the people that meant something to my life. And I was just filled with love. And I realized, wow, you have so many important people in your life that you don't mm. appreciate. So, yeah, it was quite amazing. And, but I went to the, yeah, going back to that, I was going to the toilet a lot. Other people, most people in the room were purging. Oh, uh, yeah. They were throwing up. But for me, it was the other end. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, I must have oh, lost. We the, both. Yes, uh, well, the, I did it again, actually, in Spain. And I had both. Yeah,
0: yeah, right. yeah. A lot of people um, are like kind of, I guess, like fans of the purge in a way because it feels like it is like this it, release. It's not that of bad.
1: Energy. It is, yeah. Because, like, it's one thing to have, pur- you know, you're sick on food poisoning. It's horrible, you know, like you're yeah. actually sick. But being sick on ayahuasca is not actually that bad because you, you're you releasing some, <laughs> it's like a relief yeah. getting rid of this negative. Does it energy. feel
0: like you're getting rid of energy? It as does, just yeah,
1: it? it does, yeah. And you feel the next day you feel amazing. It compl- it's a complete uh, detox. Phys- physical detox as well. You know, I see people going out doing these, uh, was it colonic irrigation yeah, or whatever yeah, it is? Yeah. It's, it's just drinks of ayahuasca. <laughs> It'll, be It'll be much better, yeah, and you'll, have a, you'll get something out of it.
0: So the first time you did it for two days in a row, right? Yeah. And then, so then a separate time that you've done it yeah. in Spain. So what made you do it that time in Spain?
1: I think i rushed into it so it was a week later i had such an amazing experience on it i wanted i wanted to because i heard stories that people see more I, I saw a lot of things there was some kind of entity there very hard to, again to put into words to describe i just wanted to know more i wanted i was fascinated by it i wanted to go deeper um but i d- I did go deeper and so I was in a rush. I, r- I found another shaman in Spain the following week. I just rushed into it. I just wanted to know more. I wanted to experience more. And I was sick. I was, you know, uh, diarrhea pretty bad, but I had zero experience. Nothing oh. happened. Like, nothing. It's and then crazy I did it again. Nothing happened. It was weird. And then. But then I, I think it was about a month after that's when I realized what well, I don't, I think nothing happened because you didn't need it. I didn't need it. Yeah. I was rushing into it, you know, like, um,
0: that's kind and of, that was
1: kind of a lesson in itself. Yeah. You know, like stop. Cause I do, I rush into things. I don't think things through. Mm. I know this, so I need to kind of, you know, be a bit more aware of this.
0: <laughs> there, there's a thing like, so with me, like I definitely like want to do it for the experience of doing it. And I, I really do. I respect it and I'm interested and it's that same sort of thing. Like I really want to know, but then I'm at a place in my life right now. Like I got really sick two years ago now where I almost died from kidney failure. Oh wow. So, and it was man. When you were saying the story of like not wanting to come off the drugs, basically I crashed my snowboard, elbowed myself in the kidney. I didn't know that I only had one kidney. So I was only born with one kidney. So I've gone through, done all the fucking crazy action bought shit everything with just one kidney elbowed myself and then i popped the valve off the the kidney that then links to your your blood or oh, didn't pop it off it, it like it it goes shut so that it's like a pump and it kind of pumps everything through your kidney and then through the rest of the system so then that just like basically shut so it was like the tiniest bit was getting through it like just enough to keep me alive but i was gonna die So I did the same thing. I was like, man, I've got all this work on. I'm in America. I I couldn't go to the hospital because I didn't have healthcare in America. And then I was so scared. Like, dude, the night that I elbowed myself in the kidney and I did it to avoid hitting an old lady. It was fucking, the yeah, it sucked. And, um, but that night, so my, my best friend, my girlfriend at the time, and then a couple of friends from Australia were there. They were tripping. I was like, i was on the fucking floor of the bathroom vomiting and pissing blood and like shaking from pain and i've got like a pretty good pain threshold from motocross and injuries and it's one thing they've always said is like every every surgery and needles and like you know brakes and they're putting brakes back in place they're always like you got a good pain threshold so then i was shaking from pain like uncontrollably shaking but i also didn't know at the time that I was shaking because of how high my blood pressure was so when your kidneys get blocked it's like putting a fucking potato in the muffler of a car it just builds up all this back pressure on the rest of your system so anyway combination of that I lived in that I existed in that state for a month I threw up after every meal after a week a week after the accident I was only eating Gatorade uh, drinking Gatorade and eating uh, fruit salad because it tasted good when I vomited that's how like i vomited every time i fucking ate and like i didn't like i kind of didn't notice but i look back at photos i was like yellow dude it was so gnarly but then i went i went back to um i ended up flying back to australia and funny funny enough i got some xanax off a friend and i fucking took two xanax because i was like shaking so bad from Mm. the blood pressure that i didn't think they'd let me on the plane yeah so i took an endone and two xanax to get back to australia Wow. and i was fucking out they woke yeah, they yeah. woke me up on like shook me to wake me up on the tarmac in australia so yeah. i flew la to australia no memory of it happening
1: yep at all. those things will take your memory away yeah. you won't remember anything
0: but the craziest thing so i got back to ho- I, anyway got to hospital surgeries blah, blah 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 and like i basically got rushed to hospital they're like you need to go to hospital you're gonna die and they said i got down like four percent kidney function Oof. Yeah, it was just bad But anyway, it was funny because they're like, what did you take on the plane? Because they like did my bloods and stuff. And I was like, oh, Uh, I took an endone and two Xanax. And they're like, well, that's frowned upon, but probably saved your life. Yeah, maybe in that sense, you need (laughs) need to relax, right? There's a place
1: for these things for sure. Yeah,
0: for sure. There was um, my blood pressure was so high. And then obviously, when you fly, your blood pressure gets elevated and i had wow. no re- i had no fucking ceiling like i was on seizure levels of yeah. or stroke levels of blood pressure so then they were like they were like yeah dude like you're fucked yeah you, that that saved your life whatever you took saved your life so anyway but it was that experience of i had three surgeries one of them was like a major surgery they fucking cut everything out like it was it was a, a full-on experience and then I didn't have any painkillers at all, basically, like after the surgeries and stuff. Um, but it was the first time in my life. It hurt so bad when I got out of that surgery. They made me stand up and piss. They took my catheter out like a day after the surgery. And I had like hundreds of internal stitches and shit. And they like, yeah, you've got to go. Like the risk of infection is way too high. You've only got one kidney. Like we can't fuck this up. You have to go home. So then I was like, I was like yeah, cool man, I'm not leaving. Like it hurt that bad, like just to yeah. move a muscle. Was like the most excruciating shit ever. So I was yeah. like, yeah, "No, cool me, I'm staying." Fuck you. I'm not yeah. And uh, anyway, I got up and they got me like a walking frame, and I I was that pain was like a different level of pain, and I was like shaking uncontrollably, and I I was so close to passing out. Hmm. And you know like you see in movies and shit like people they pass out cuz something hurts so much I yeah. always thought that was fake that I, th- I it's, feel like it's I true. feel like it's real Yeah Yeah <laughs> so but uh but anyway I guess like that experience was it really changed me and it changed like my mentality it changed what I thought was important it, yes, it made uh, me yeah. feel those like dude to my like my guy friends like Australia's fucking manly man all that bullshit and I tell my friends all the time I love you man like even you know the boys that I met on this camp we got so close within a week and like you know Raul the little Estonian kid that was yeah, just a fucking yeah. ninja like, he left dude I fucking love you man I'm so glad I met you like it, yeah. it changed me to where I really really value good people yes and I appreciate yeah. it and then I went through problems with my ex-girlfriend through that time and that that's basically the reason she is my ex-girlfriend and yeah. it was like and but then I still didn't hold. I didn't hold on to anything in the way I did in the past. And so fast forward into like I want to do ayahuasca, but I don't feel like I have to do ayahuasca. Yeah, and I then, think. And you then i like, yeah, and then I'm like, well, with all of the research that I'm done, I've done. I'm like, fuck, like I just don't. I don't know if I'm the person that. But it's like, can you go there without? needing it and be shown something and yeah I sometimes
1: don't know. yeah i mean I, with the ceremony i went to the first one there was a bunch of guys that turned up um just there because they didn't even know what it was they really? went because their friends said hey let's go and try this they didn't have they hadn't quite a few of them had no experience mm. i think one of them had a very horrible experience um so I think I think it's, it's kind of crazy. If you just go there, just wanting to have a high, and pro- nothing's probably gonna happen. Mm. You've actually got to, you go in with an intention yeah. leading up, you're thinking about it a lot leading up to the day. You should be nervous going in because mm. you don't know what's gonna happen, but you have an intention. What do you want to get out of this? Mm. I actually like, I almost prayed to it. I'm not a religious person, you know, but I remember going in because I was struggling with this fatigue, struggling with energy, struggling with these cravings. And all I said to it was, i've tried everything else please please i I just want my energy back i want to feel upbeat again i just want to feel myself again and please don't make me ever think of taking these horrible pills again take Mm. these cravings away and it worked that's all i asked of it two things i don't ask too much (laughs) and then the follow that's why i went back the following week i wanted to know more you know because i yeah i just wanted to go a bit deeper
0: yeah yeah it's yeah it's fucking uh, i mean to me it's cool like I love being able to share stories like that. yeah because I'm such a fan. and even with 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 marijuana, like I oh, fuck man, I just had the most horrible experiences through my childhood with uh, yeah. other people around me and drugs and marijuana to where I just fucking hated it. like yeah. really hated it. And then when I started smoking, which I'm glad I didn't do till later in life.
1: I think it's important, actually. I think uh, for the developing mind, I don't think you shouldn't touch no drugs, marijuana yeah. or alcohol anything until you're a fully grown adult, I think. Yeah. I think uh, smoking weed, um, when you're young and you're developing, it's pretty bad because you can get a lot of paranoia. You know, mm. you're still trying to find who you are. You're still wondering, do people like me? You know, does this and girl all that like shit's me? It's amplified. It's amplified, yeah. All that anxiety is amplified, you know. Mm. So. Yeah, I wish I didn't smoke weed growing up. <laughs>
0: did, did you smoke a bit? I, oh, up? I
1: used to sneak off every lunchtime with my friends. You yeah, know, smoke weed friends. by a uh, by the the pond next to our mm. uh, college, and I'd used to come in and sit at the front of class like paranoid, like everyone knows I'm stoned.
0: Everyone knows yeah, I'm stoned. yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, I
1: just not get any work done, just like kind of paranoid. I don't know why I did it to myself for so many years.
0: <laughs> well, I just think it's the, the peer pressure is definitely real. The peer pressure, keep. yeah. And so I had like my group of friends were. F- fucking stoners like heavy but i, yeah, I never ever ever smoke weed until it wasn't until i went to america and the culture in california is so different and i even fought it for years when i was in california and i watched all my friends just getting high to get high but these were kids from broken homes these were kids that their fucking dads used to beat them these were these were kids that had a fucking shit life and i didn't have a shit life I had, I got bullied a lot as a kid at school, but I enjoyed fighting back. So I think that that let me get through. And I think I, even that now with jujitsu, like I like fighting back, like yeah. give me, you know, even with you, like there's not many people at the camp that wanted to roll with you. Like you're a <laughs> fucking big black belt and I'm like, fuck, let's go. Like give, yeah. it, like, give me the, like, I want to feel that. I, wa- I want to fight back. And I, I, I don't know, there's something in me that, i i enjoy that so yeah. i think that's why the bullying never never really got to me because i always i was like yeah i don't give a fuck like i i, I liked it but so i guess i never had like i i never looked at that as like a negative in my life even though i guess a lot of kids who get bullied would look at it as uh, like bullying is a fucked up thing to do yeah, like you shouldn't be I mean, but yeah. Yeah for me it just it didn't it didn't mess with me Mm. in the way it messes with other kids i guess but so i i just didn't have any of these reasons to get high and then when i was a kid my dad did like the coolest thing ever and was basically like if you want to fucking party and you want to you want to do whatever then cool but the rule is i'll drop you off at the party and i'll pick you up at the party and if you want alcohol I'll fucking give you alcohol so we were allowed to party I didn't have to sneak off I didn't have to do fucking sketchy shit like my friends did and then as soon as he did that it almost like took the cherry like took the fucking whatever it was that made me want to like rebel like it just took that away I was like well fuck I don't have that now (laughs) so like I always had like this crazy responsible relationship with alcohol and then because of what I saw with drugs then I, I just never went there and then it was like, I guess I was like forced to get over it in a way when I was, when I did grow up and everyone around me was doing coke, but no one was a cokehead. Everyone around me was smoking weed, but they weren't stoners. And if they were stoners, they were fucking killing it. And then I, I it forced me to like readjust my perspective. And again, like what you said, I think perspective is like the most powerful thing that we've got in all this, right? Is yeah. Because if you are able to like Objectively look at things and change your perspective based on the information that you're giving, and not just go on staying like so staunch in your views. Then it's yeah. like I feel like that's how you grow. But I think, I mean, I remember smoking weed to get high for fun, just to see what it was like. But I just I didn't get high. Like it wasn't a thing where I was like,
2: this mm. is great.
0: I just felt super tired and I felt real relaxed. Tired, and yeah. it took me like a long. So then my my ex-girlfriend's brother moved in he was a fucking massive stoner smoked every night and we were like splitting the lease I was like alright dude you do whatever the fuck you want like no judgement you're paying half the rent as well all good and then I was like oh I'll smoke a little and hit off her but he wasn't ever like oh man fuck you gotta do it bro like it was just pass and I was like nah and that was it and then after a while I was like oh you know what maybe and then I'd watch like a movie and I was like you know what this is actually like a better experience than just watching a movie like this is funnier to me it's more interesting yeah. and more and then it was like it was like this slow thing and then i started to like I, n- I never saw it as like paranoia what i saw it as was like oh you've been putting this off in your head yeah you've stopped you, you don't I know what to think mean. about this and yeah, then that's I would, true and then i'd i'd made i'd made a lot of mistakes man i'd let a lot of people down i'd burn bridges and i'd always go in my head i was always like fuck that guy man that guy's a piece of shit like i'm fuck woo-woo. like i always was able to like intellectualize why that dude was a fucking dickhead mm. and why i was right to fuck him over in a way yeah. and i and then it was weed that was like bro this is not okay like i couldn't get this shit out of my head of like these fuck-ups i made yeah i couldn't i couldn't stop thinking about how not okay it was to 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 fuck people over yeah and and it, not, it wasn't like i was fucking people over for like a lot of like money and, but you know what i mean like someone would hire you for a job and then you didn't get on with them and you'd be like you know what fuck that guy yeah like, it was all that kind of shit and yeah. and then I it, it, it forced me to think about it and instead of pulling back from that and being like oh you know what I don't want to fucking think about any of this shit I'm just, I just I'm just gonna keep going and burning these bridges but it just forced me to give the, the like this like gain this perspective it was almost mm-hmm. like I could see the other person's point of view
1: Yes, that's a huge thing I got from ayahuasca. is a mm. different point of view. Yeah, you can you know? see
0: people's point. I, of yeah, view. for the first it's time, like I was very selfish
1: that. in the way I view, saw things. like the fuck that guy, like he fucking did this to me, did that. Yeah. Um, you know, my 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 ex girlfriends, you know, but I just had finally had a I had a different perspective. I saw things from when that where they were looking. Yeah. I was like, oh wow, I see. I can see what. Mm. It, yeah, and that was huge.
0: It's crazy, and so I guess like. I've kind of I got that th- out of weed. Out of weed, yeah. And it was, and people call that paranoia, and people shy away from it because it's like, it is heavy to go through that. But now it's like I can smoke now, and I was always like, oh, I can't smoke and do this. I'll only mm. do it right before bed or like when you feel real safe. But it's like I've audited all this stuff now. It's like mm. you're auditing yourself, like. Uh, you remember when the hard drive you used to, like, defrag your hard drive? Yeah. Like you'd get that on, like, old PCs way back in the day. Yeah. you'd see, like, all these white bits come up, and then there's all these white dots, but you wanted black dot, black dots only. Yeah. And then it's like, slowly starts to get rid of all those white dots. It's almost yeah. like that's what that did for me. Yeah. yeah and I yeah. just went through this process, and... and defragmenting the hard drive right
1: defragged everything because you think oh i forget about that forgetting it but you're not really forgetting it you're putting it in the trash folder but then the trash folder builds up and then what happens your computer your hard drive doesn't work as good it slows down so some these plants you know wherever you're taking they make you go into that trash folder Mm. and truly delete these traumas these bad situations you've been in you know these fallouts because you carry that shit around you need to get rid of it properly don't just forget it's still there you know
0: oh it's there in a big way and now i've got to the point where i can really enjoy the experience because i've done the work now i've done the work and i feel like i feel like such a less aggressive person i feel like a less negative person Mm. and i mean i was always a positive person uh before but like i had a temper like a big oh, 10 me too i'm and so less
1: aggressive now crazy less um, aggressive
0: and i mean i still i still fucking arc up and then but then when you do and then you next time you smoke you think yeah you're like you're a fucking idiot yeah. like that was yeah, completely yeah. unnecessary and like i was having I, with my my girlfriend i was having some I, I can't remember what the argument was about but i just fucking lit up And it was, like, bad. Like, I shouldn't have... I shouldn't have got frustrated. And then I smoked. And I, like... I dozed... I, I, like, zoned out to the point where I was her. Mm. And then I saw her argument. And it made my argument look so retarded. Mm. But I could see my own argument was retarded. Like, I, I was able to be in that... In her headspace. And then I just had so much compassion as opposed to anger. Hmm. And it was... I wouldn't have had that unless I you do kind of alter that that state. Like, you're still yourself, but it forces you to be open to those perspectives. And it's yeah. almost like... Like, we are... We, we do... We have to get those perspectives. It's not like you have a drug and then it, it has a perspective built in and then that chemical carries that. Like, it's not in there. It's It's all in your it's head. It's in your head, yeah. It's letting you think about it it's mm. it's letting you get to a place where you can uh accept it and yeah. and take it out of the trash folder and actually deal with it because yeah. we do we do have other perspectives we do have these the answers in our own heads they're just not the ones we want to fucking hear
1: yeah i mean i think a lot of these plant medicines are like a shortcut mm. you know to dealing with these things a shortcut um of things you can get out of meditation mm. if you're going to meditate and you can think about a lot of these things I don't but that. yeah yeah no <laughs> i know <laughs> i wish i did but i think a lot of perspective comes with age as well mm. you know just getting old again, a bit more mature life experiences look at adversity. us early 30s i know right yeah, but i'm so di- compared to what i was like a few years ago holy mm. shit i'm so different you know yeah. i used to get mad in the internet i post my videos um and you know haters you know people talking shit but I would answer back dude, I would and I would the be same I shit. would be angry but we would be writing back and they'd write back again I'd write back again I actually made a mistake of making one comment on Reddit the other week which I shouldn't have done what was the comment? They <laughs> did someone just criticizing a film and then I just put yo bro do yourself a favor don't watch my videos yeah. and then he went came back at me hard yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah and then I actually sent him a personal message going hey sorry man like I'm glad you make, like my films but you know I just kind of Took your comments out of context. But mm. it's, it's just, you can't reply to these people. It's nah. just... You can't fight hate with hate, you know? Um, yeah. It's just quite an immature thing to do to start firing back online. Yeah. Dude, you know? I used to
0: be the worst. Like, there was this forum yeah. when I, like... Was when I owned, like, my little website that I was, like, doing articles and all that shit. I used to get fucking people talking shit all the time. And I'd go in these forums and, like, fuck, I'd just go deep. And now, like, I don't care. And luckily... I've only ever had, like, one bad comment about the podcast. And that was with one of my, my best friends, Jeff. And it was just me and him going back and forth, mm. just shooting the shit. Like, it wasn't an interview about his life and his story. It's, like, kind of like this, you know? It's like, we're not... I mean, I'm sure there's people that are, like, wanted to hear Stuart Cooper talk about jiu on a podcast forever and we're not talking yeah. about jiu-jitsu. But, fuck, man, that's not... Sorry, yeah. that's what you want. That's not mm. what I want you know and it's like i think that you know you do this podcast and it's like i've got to be interested in what we're talking about i've got like it's it's got to be what the conversation that i want to have because it is the conversation i'm having it can't like you can't think about what other people want because that shit is just gonna change and there's all like you can't you can't pander to everybody but Mm -hmm. yeah this guy basically was like oh you know like i wish he let you talk and I mean in my head I guess the ones The comments that you get pissed off about Are the ones that There's a bit of truth in them Okay yeah And, I, and I'm Because I am self-conscious I'm like fuck I get, I'll get high And I'm like Did I just talk way too much During that podcast But at at the end of the The end of the day Like I got angry at his comment Because that's something I'm scared of Like I am scared right. of talking too much I am scared of people thinking that I want this to all be about me. I don't want it to be about me. I think yeah. it's awkward if it's about me. But at the same time, they're not in the room doing the conversation. The person might not be crazy mm. talkative. The, like there's so many variables that go into it or you're having such a good conversation. Like, you know, like we are now that it's like you lose track of who's fucking mm. talking because it's it's going, it's doing its, its own thing. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that if i was in 2009 2008 when i started filming and i got a comment like that i would have fucking blow up ripped into this dude i would have looked at his instagram i would have saw how fucking fat he was or how fucking shit he wasn't writing and all. but then it's like that's a loser thing to do yeah i mean they're
1: being negative and then if you reply you're sending being negative back and i don't know especially for us if you got like uh, i had i learned this lesson the hard way um, once you have a presence online you've got to be careful what you say mm. online because that shit stays on there you know a few years ago I had a fallout with quite a I don't want to say his name it's all uh, under, water under the bridge but I had a fallout with a particular black belt and I dealt with this situation incredibly wrong I vented online mm. I, <laughs> but you can't take that shit back next thing you know it's being cut and paste on bjjee.com I think I just replied to a YouTube comment why did you take this video down and I just vented. I was so angry. You know, yeah. I'm like 27 at this time, you know. Um, next thing I know, it's cut and paste and made into a headline. Yeah. And it just escalated everything. So I was. And then you wanted to looking defend back, yourself. I had to and... defend myself. And then looking back, I dealt with that situation so wrong. I was so immature the way I did that. And I probably came across as a right dick. Yeah. I mean, I definitely did come across as a dick. But man, we all have these situations in life. We all make mistakes in life. But. For us, they're recorded you, you yeah. gotta be careful you know
0: yeah man there's, so. there's definitely like that was one of the things with I just didn't realize that the podcast would even do good yeah. at all and now I'm like fuck all this shit that I've like not done right you're just kind of like waiting for someone to bring it up and then you're yeah. like dude I just I fucked up just yeah. as a kid and like it's crazy man like I think about a lot of the stuff I did when I moved to America like I was fucking partying Like chicks and just out of control, but it's like I don't want to like make excuses for myself, but it's like, man, I was a fucking kid. I was a kid, and I grew up in a small town. I didn't go on a fucking aeroplane until I was eighteen, and that aeroplane was to go and work for a magazine in Melbourne. And then I spent six months at that magazine, and I said fuck that, and I started my own online thing, and then I bought a camera. And then I had this taste of success, and it was the first time I ever had money, and then I got flown to America, and then I got given a ridiculous fucking wage in America to live, and then on top of that wage, I was getting all this other work. So I didn't, I don't even think I owned a pair of fucking Nike shoes until I was 22 and living in America. Mm. Like, we didn't, we didn't have, like, a lot of cool shit. I never felt cool. I was never a cool person as such. And then all of a sudden, I'm this 22-year-old kid in America with, a, with an Australian accent that everyone wants to fucking hang out with because girls like the way he talks. And that's a lot to take in. Mm. And in the moment, I'm not sitting there thinking, hey, man, you should fucking... You should get this in check. Like, blah, 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 blah. You're just a kid. You don't really know yet anything about this stuff. Like, I didn't pay any taxes. I didn't fucking do this shit. I sold cars. I bought more expensive cars. Like, just super dumb shit. And as well and it's probably similar for you like i didn't have any fucking parental supervision i was mm. living in a frat house like it was just me and a couple other boys and it was just out of control and it's like you know i don't want to like it's like you, you gotta i guess forgive not forgive yourself but you gotta be okay with everything yeah because at the end yeah. of the day like you can't change it yeah. but it's like yeah i fucked up so much stuff when just i was take at lessons from it you yeah know? and but i didn't realize it's like you can't you don't know what you don't know and i just didn't know i just didn't know that the things i was doing i was just riding a wave and i was mm. like fuck maybe this is what everyone does maybe mm. maybe this is what happens when you're 22 when you move out of home like maybe this is and then you've got the freedom i didn't have to go to work i I got to film what i love to film i would have gone out to those motocross tracks and i want to film those riders whether i was getting paid to or not Mm. you know like you live in the fucking dream and at at that point you've got you're so confident and you've got so much that you feel like is like going for you and i don't know like it's a weird it's a weird place to be and i think then for like the average person that watches what we do that they they're not getting thrown any of these things that i was as a kid like at 22 they're probably in uni and they're probably working at Coles and they were just trying to get by to get to uni and their life was very structured very uh organized and they kind of knew what to expect i was living in this place where i didn't know what the fuck to expect i didn't know whether i was going to be in alaska or fucking like Africa. I didn't know where I was going to be tomorrow. And it's like you you get so used to like living and it's like this this weird, it's like excessive in a way, Mm. even though it's not like I was born fucking Lambos and shit. Like I didn't have excessive money, but the lifestyle was excessive. It was so exciting. It was so addictive to be, to like live that way. I don't know if you felt like that as well.
1: Uh, Sorry, I felt like how...
0: Like, it, it felt like it was, like, addictive to just keep doing whatever the fuck yeah, you wanted absolutely. to do, you Yeah, know? yeah. Like, you just had you The had lifestyle overtakes oh, you, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It does just takes over you. Did, yeah, you um, found that? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: It's a weird place to be when you are young. Yeah. And then, I guess it's only when you get perspective, you're like, damn, that was weird as fuck. Yeah. And <laughs> it's just like a, yeah, I don't know. So, anyway, it's like now, yeah. And th- I guess all of that, you do not ever knowing that you're going to have a profile. Like, you just like, oh, I'm the dude that's behind the camera. Yeah. No one's going to know who I am. Yep. And then now you're like, oh, shit. Everyone, like, you're, you, like you said, you are a brand.
1: Yeah. It's kind of, it's crazy, isn't it, how social media is this changing. It's very important to have, like, a good social mm. media follower now. You know, it's gotten me jobs all around the world just because I have a certain amount of followers. Mm. You know, it's kind of crazy what, the way the world is going.
0: I think that, like, are you across any of the, like, YouTube vlogger kind of dudes, like Logan Paul, Casey Neistat? Yeah, I
1: follow that Casey guy. Yeah. That's. I like his stuff, and he's got. He he is famous just off YouTube, you know?
0: Fucking crazy, right?
1: I know. I had the idea to start doing more blog stuff, but I just don't like being in front of the camera. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know? Yeah, it's definitely. Yeah, I like being behind it.
0: It's a weird one. Even, yeah. Like, the podcast, I was like, fuck, I really just don't know if I want to be the dude that's in front of the camera. Yeah. But I feel, once I started doing it, though, it was just this, like, it, this is what matters, is, like, the actual, the the conversation, like, in the moment is what matters to me. Mm. Like, I don't even really listen to them once they're done. It's like, I just enjoy this this part. And then if you enjoy this part, then I guess you have to be okay with the other Parts that that come with it, but I think that I guess my point with that before is like the world's changing to where like people want to f- like personalities are, are more important than they've ever been, and it's like mm. a, you got to think that it almost started with like the Kardashians because it's like they were famous for nothing, like that yeah. people just w- were super interested in those people, and I feel like that's kickstarted a culture. Of being interested in people more than what they do yeah which is fucking bizarre like that like that um that kid that i was saying that rapper lil xan Hmm. it's like and uh, do you know uh like that takashi 69 have you heard of that dude he's like the crazy guy with like the green hair and shit yeah he's only put out like fucking 10 songs man but he's retardedly famous like one of the biggest don't know why <laughs> but because he's crazy people yeah. want to follow the crazy people yeah. want to watch they just want to watch him like he's instagram live and every day and he's blowing up his story people don't give a fuck like mm. the music we're in this weird place where it's like the music is almost the side thing now to, but yeah. it's like it's like you kind of almost have to have a reason to follow someone but it's like, it's only just going to be like a little, re- like, okay, so you, you put, it, you're a rapper, so then it gives us like this license mm. to like follow you. And then it's like, yeah, put out some songs, but and I mean, his songs are massive, I guess just because of his following, but it's like musically, there's nothing really like special to like about the guy, but these mm. people are just fucking riveted to just follow this person. And it's... It's probably on a, like a micro scale what people do with you. They're like interested yeah, that's, in following Stuart Cooper. They
1: were following me definitely because of my journey. I would make posts all the time about, and I just arrived here in Miami with Cyborg um and, and then I'm off to New York. I think people were following my journey. Yeah. They were interested in the story of what I was doing as well, literally traveling the world gym to gym to gym. So that definitely, you know.
0: Uh, Captivates people.
1: Yeah, for sure you know I actually look back at some of my films and <laughs> some of them are terrible but maybe it's people just following the journey more than natural films
0: well I think too like you've got to look at you've got to hold yourself to the standard of what other people were doing hmm. and who else was there yeah yeah you were the dude yeah. like, and now I mean like you got flow, flow grappling. No, yeah, you know, you, you're late. Like you're starting to get people doing it, but like yeah,
1: professionally now, like really good people doing it now. Mm-hmm. But you, which were, is great. You know, it's it's awesome.
0: Yeah, yeah, but you were like one of the first guys that people could follow. You were the first person with access. Yeah, because I I guess that's probably a part of it as well. is like the access that you can give people, and it's like I think that's with the podcast. Is like I'm lucky that I have access. and you had access as well and it's like i've got access to to certain people because of my film stuff and if i i don't have access to them i can send them my film stuff yeah and i can be like hey like yeah i'm legit this is the stuff i've done and then it's enough like when i went and saw my hunt today i was like hey this is the podcast is what i do it's like if you don't it gets going because you have access but then once you have access it's almost like you can just kind mm. of write your ticket based on what you've previously done and yeah. who you've previously had access to, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah. In the first few films I made, I had to really kind of get permission, ask, ask, yeah. ask, and then I turn up, introduce myself, hey, I'm doing it, tell them why I'm doing it. But after doing a certain number of films, I'd just message, uh, who's an example, you know, like Bouchesha, hey, I want to come and do a video with you. Awesome, yeah, come down, bro. Yeah, Because they already know, you know, the seamless stuff, so access is you know an important part
0: and i think that that's what people enjoy following as well is because they wish they had that same access and
1: yeah, it takes a while to develop that as well a long yeah. time
0: that's what i got a message um on the podcast the other day i actually haven't replied to the guy yet well, i replied to him but he sent me a message that i still haven't replied to so i'm going to answer his question i guess now but he he's like i want to start a podcast blah 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 So I just said, look, the social media is super important. Get good equipment and just do it. Don't expect, like I didn't expect any of this. Like honest, honest to God, when I started the podcast six months ago, I did not expect to be sitting here talking to you. Mm. There was no, I've been caught out so many times before with having like wonderlust. Like this is what it's going to be i'm going to be like i wanted to make movies i wanted to write and direct movies and it was like i got so focused on that and it's like when you when it doesn't happen then you stop believing that you can do it and then when you stop believing then it's like everything kind of falls off and i kind of got a little bit like that with films because it felt like i'd hit the ceiling in motocross in a way um
1: that is a huge part of success is believing believing you can do it yeah and i kind of learned that recently you know
0: what, what made you
1: um, With, with jiu competition, actually. You know, uh, it's only recently. Before, I never, like, I kind of, I always wanted to be a jujitsu uh, athlete, you yeah. know, but then I fell into the films, and when I was making all these films, I was getting smashed by the best of them, you know. I was a purple belt, brown belt trainer with Cyborg, a brew, muscle. Garcia, these guys are killing me. So it made me think, what, why am I, I'm, I'm never, I'll never be that good it was almost bad for me getting smashed by this many world champions yeah all these people it made me thinking, thinking
0: that you're getting all yeah, this training and like yeah. That much, yeah
1: but I was just getting beaten up all the time like I'll never be that good why am I doing this I'll never reach that level and then as I got when I got my health back I got the job in Singapore I started training hard and I don't know what happened in the ayahuasca experience but it it made me believe in my ability a bit more I got my health back I got my power back my explosiveness I was training hard and then I started training. But a few guys came in, you know, who were professional jiu-jitsu athletes, and I rolled with them, and it did particularly well. And I was like, "Oh, I can, I'm actually doing pretty good here." And then I um, entered the tournament, you know, the, the BOA Super Eight, mm. and a lot of it was I, I did surprisingly well in that tournament. It, it was just because of the belief. I realized, "Oh, I can, I can do it. I, I believe I can do it. I believe I'm at that level mm. now." You know, was, that was the first black belt tournament I did. It's and crazy. my first match was against Felipe Pomansky and the second match was DJ Jackson I mean DJ Jackson's an eight time world champion I know mm. he beat me by three points that was my first black belt tournament and that's even I've got even more confidence to compete again now yeah you know just believing that I can do it you know whereas before like going in You'd be like, no, this guy's an eight-time world champion. He's going to kill me. If you think like that, he will. Mm-hmm. He's just going to run you over. you better got to believe in your own ability. Believe that the techniques you do to everybody else in the gym can work. Will work at the highest level.
0: It's just take, it just took me a long time to
1: realize that. So, I,
0: what was your, like, expectation, though? Because I guess the... To, With BoA? No, just in general, like, in terms of competition. Well, I guess that was the first main one. So, like, yeah, what was your expectation? Um, Did you have any? Or were you just super open-minded? But
1: before when I've competed, I've always been way too self-conscious, you know, like too aware of everything that's going around me, too aware of the crowd watching, you know, like what people are going to think. But with this one, I, I was like, just go out there and have fun, mm. you know, like just forget that the crowd's there, forget that all these people are watching, forget that it's live and flow grappling, you know, none of this is going to be here one day anyway, you know, mm. like what does it matter what people think? Just go out there and prove to yourself that you can compete at this level, just go there and do what you always do in training Mm. and it worked you know my mind was pretty sharp that day actually
0: yeah it's crazy like i i think that the weight of expectation that you put on yourself is probably what cripples more people than anything else and it's like living up to expectation and i think that that's why i think the podcast is doing well is because I genuinely didn't have expectations. There was no weight on me hmm. to do it. And I've found myself a couple of times in the process of this going like, "Oh, the numbers weren't that good this month. Maybe people are losing interest. Maybe people don't care." Like and then you sort of start that self yeah. yeah that self doubt. And then and then it didn't last long. Whereas in the past it, that did last like a really long time. Like yeah. it seemed like one L would just fuck me up for a long time. Yeah. But then I put on this front of being like super confident, like I didn't give a fuck. But but now it I don't know, it's like I've gotten to this place where it's like, dude, whatever's gonna happen will happen. Whatever's happened before, it's happened and I can't change that. So I don't know, it's like this this place, but it feels like when you don't have expectation of yourself as a weight that it's like it's a backpack yeah and if you load that fucking thing up with expectation then you're never going to get to the top of the hill yeah you have to like let go you have to only put in that fucking backpack what you need food water and a hammock and and some fucking bear spray you know what i mean and it's like then you'll get to the top of the hill but if you've got if that backpack's overflowing with this expectation that you're going to get to the top then it's gonna make it harder for you to get there if that makes sense yeah so it's like i don't know whether it's an age i don't know what it is but it's it's almost like that expectation or like i figured out how to unweight myself from that expectation in a way but i guess getting back to what this kid said is he was like oh it's doing so well considering how long you've been doing it blah 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 and i was and he's like how long i just said to him look dude you just gotta hustle And I was like, first things first to get yourself like a a good deck, like a good pitch deck, get some good photos, send it out to people, try and look legit, even if you aren't quote unquote legit, look legit, fake it till you make it. And then just hustle, just get people on, get people on that are interesting and just trust in the conversation that you will have. And if it's good enough, it will resonate. And if it's not, it's not. And be okay with that. Don't Mm -hmm. try and be good at a thing that you suck at. And then he's, he replied and was like, oh, awesome, awesome feedback. Um, how long have you been on The Hustle? And it's like, well, I've been on the podcast Hustle for 10 years. It started the day that I fucking started working for myself. Because it's all these relationships. It's all of the, like you said, it's that, um, you know, you get to a point where people know enough about your work or they respect your work to where you people do pick up the phone people do answer the call and it's like the people that i got on the podcast at the start were the people that i'd done good things with in the film side of stuff so it's like you you've been on the hustle for fucking 10 years as well it's like there's no and and when you decide day one to start a business like this guy with his podcast don't expect to To have the same results as people that have been on that hustle for 10 years, even though the podcast hasn't been around for 10 years, it's, it's all so cumulative. And, you know, I guess the same could be said with, with where you're at now It's like the stuff in, you know, competing in BOA. first black belt tournament Mm. there's maybe people that said like oh why is he getting an invite into that
1: i think a lot of people did wonder it actually because they didn't know i actually i don't think people knew actually trained like full time especially now mm. um i remember dj jackson he was like yeah i wondered why you were in the tournament you know i think he just thought i was a cameraman just a filmmaker you know but i've been training pretty for a long time now yeah how long have you been training about 10 years now but seriously i think Probably, like, the last two years I've been training, like, seriously, like a professional athlete, like, so twice you, a day, every day.
0: You got your black belt fairly quickly then.
1: I think I had in seven or eight years. Really? I think. I actually need to count up. Yeah, I'm not actually sure.
0: Did you... Who? So, who gave you your black belt?
1: Uh, Lucio Sergio De Santos. Okay. So, I've been with him since day one. Yeah. So, he's based in UK. He's mm-hmm. got academies in Southport and Manchester. So,
0: yeah. And, yeah, because, yeah, I, I mean, that's where, like not where I'm at like fuck I've really just started but like I I can't make it to all my classes at my home gym like I train with Gaylor Brothers mm. which is uh, uh, Fabio Gaylor like a f- super well respected black belt mm. and still very active competitor and I just am never a class but I'm training yeah. so it's like I'm like fuck I'm yeah. never gonna get I'm never gonna get any uh, like I'm I'm not gonna progress in terms of the mm. belts even though I feel like I'm really progressing in my jiu-jitsu which mm. is like i don't know seems like a it's like a hard spot to be because like yeah. i want to go to class and i want to get the recognition there for the work but yeah. it's like i'm just i'm not able to put in the work there which is like kind of tough
1: yeah i mean but that's what i wanted to do it but was actually show people i'm not just a filmmaker i can actually yeah i can roll jiu-jitsu as well but then i did quintet right after that but that didn't go too well for me yeah you got choked eh?
2: Yeah, one, one, mistake. one mistake,
1: man. Mm-hmm. One mistake, and you can't do it again. You can't tap hands and go again. I just fucked up, you know. <laughs> it's crazy,
0: like, even. <laughs> it's all it takes.
1: Because yeah. I was very confident after Boa going into mm. Quintet. Because there was no one in that apart from Joao Assis and Richie Boogie Man that was at the level of the guys in Boa. Mm. The Boa were much higher level guys. So going into Quintet, I was quite confident. I just, I've just fought DJ Jackson, and Felipe Pomanski. I should be good and i, I had a an unknown an unknown guy hi sam reader and holy shit he caught me by surprise you know and strangled the shit out of me That's
0: Jiu-Jitsu. <laughs> Jiu-Jitsu yeah. Is a motherfucker. yeah it's crazy though like even today when we rolled so like we rolled it um at the camp at absolute mma in paquette and then like obviously you smashed me like there's no i was never <laughs> i wasn't going in there like oh, yeah. i'm gonna do well but like i went and i watched what we did what our role and then we like you we even spoke about it to where you were telling me what i was doing wrong and then it's like today i was like i'm gonna have a a crack yeah i'm gonna keep you off me for longer because it's not an if yeah it's not if it's when but it's like i i did better i feel like i did better today but then it's like once that one thing is gone it's like you're preventing one thing and once once it's like your knee touched that mat and then you knee mm-hmm. cut into side control it's it's yeah. over then you're in you're in mountain i'm getting fucking yeah. choked out
1: At the highest level that's what it is a game of millimeters what, yeah. at the highest level you but, can't afford yeah. to be making these mistakes you know?
0: but it's just it's it's crazy to be obviously at my super beginner level it's still you can you can yeah. see that one moment you can yeah. see that one moment where it's like a meme it's at this point jace knew he fucked up Yep, <laughs> but it's the, you know, but it's a, it's crazy that it's the same when a black belt rolls with a white belt. There's one moment that leads to the yeah. position being gone, and then no recovery.
1: Beginning of the end, and then.
0: It, but it's a, it was the same for you, where like one mistake, it's just yeah. more of a fight in the yeah. in the time between that one moment, and it would have been the same to where there would have been a point of no return for your opponent if you. Got to impose your game. Yeah, it's a crazy fucking. It's a crazy sport. Yeah, and you can just get caught.
1: and imagine, like MMA, that's a whole different story. You know, more variable. So anyone can beat anyone any any given day, really. Mm. You know,
0: it's so hard to pick. It's fights, got. It really. has
1: to be your day. You know? mm.
0: like, and then you see guys that just have their their day a lot. Oh, that yeah. Yeah, they really do. It's just always their day. Yeah and like man
1: that's what's very impressive because on the day the day itself the competition day it's all mental all the mm. physical preparation is done it's just it's all up here you know yeah, getting that, that right that right zone and that's what exper- you can't that's what you get from experience mm. you know learning how to deal with the anxiety learning how to deal with the nerves how do you just trying to find your way of performing at your best you know mm. just trying to get in that that's what i did for Bo, was trying to find that perfect state of just uh, as, as like a zen, a zen state, I'm not thinking. I'm mm. not thinking about anything, I'm just reacting. Like I do in, when I'm training every single night, you're not thinking, you're in that state of no mind, as they say, you're just reacting, you're just flowing mm. from one technique to the other. As when you compete sometimes, I'm like, oh, well that person's watching, that person's watching, what if he does this, what if he's gonna stop this sweep. Then you're not in the moment, you've gotta find a way to get in the moment,
0: mm. you know? It's with me, I wanna do more competitions because at every competition that I've done I haven't got to that state. And it takes it's a like, while, huh? I almost don't give a fuck what happens jujitsu wise. I just wanna get to that place where I really don't have any thoughts going into I it. I think
1: you need a certain amount of time put in, like you, you have your game, you have years mm. in the sport, so you your body or you're letting your body take over at that point. Yeah. You've been doing jujitsu that long, you have your game that it's just muscle memory going. Mm. You know, you're just you're just flowing from one technique to the other. Sometimes I do things in training. I'm like, how the hell? My body just did it. I didn't even think about that. Mm. You know, I'll just get, I'm pulling off arm bars from my guard for the first time ever now. You know, oh, just yeah. it's um,
0: yeah, I'm just doing it without even
1: you know f- planning it. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. Well, I think that mm, you're just spending so much time, like you're a full-time <laughs> coach at at Tiger, and it's yeah, you know, you're really getting to. It's like I'm sure there's guys at their job like carpenters and shit they just hit nails in they don't even fucking think about it. Yeah, they don't even think duk duk about duk it, duk duk just do it. So I guess it's it's just that that time. Yeah. With with Thailand, you've said that you really like the culture here. And I mean this is my first trip to Thailand and I kind of get it. Like I I it's get great, I it? get what you mean because I feel really unburdened of, like, dumb shit.
1: Of, like, a lot of it's financial troubles, like your mortgage, or I've not paid the bill, I've not got insurance, you know, a lot of these things don't matter here. Mm. You, you know, you don't, <laughs> you don't need a driver's license, you just, the police, you know,
2: I shouldn't really say this, 500 but baht, 500 baht,
1: they'll, you know, they'll leave you alone. Uh, so you don't need insurance on a car or on a bike, you know, uh, you should have insur- you should have insurance in case an accident happens. But just accommodation, you know. Um, You don't need to buy a house out here. You just rent one. It's it's cheap. Food's cheap. It doesn't matter. You don't need a fancy car out here. You don't need the nice jeans, the 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 Mm. fancy watch. All these things. The nice curtains. Because we're in in a very outdoor culture. You're always out doing things. It's too fucking. I'm I'm never in. I'm never in my house. So every time I go back to my house, I'm usually just sleeping. Yeah. So. I don't need all these especially at this point in my life anyway I don't need all these materialistic things and that's what I like about this culture it's very it's not very materialistic at all when I go back to England it's kind of hard you know like um, earning money you know I find I'm just working 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 just to get through the month just to pay the bills you know yeah Um, yeah it's just different out here it's hard to really put your finger on what it is about this culture it's so like
0: uh, I love it yeah, for me, like, um, it's like you're, you're not stressed, like, oh, fuck, where am I going to park? Can I park here? I'm going to get a yeah. ticket. Uh, it's like, it's just fucking park. Like, There's no rule. And then yeah. I'm walking down the road, like, you know, I said before, I've got, like, a K-walk to get from the hotel to here, and I had all my shit, and, and the side of the road's non-existent. Like, it's fucking food stands and shops yeah. and then the road. And there's buses and there's traffic and there's scooters. Yeah. Not one person beeped at me. And I was taking up the fucking road. Yeah. And the, the bus driver just slows down and then he pulls out around you. And, like, you're not trying to be a staunch dude that's just going, fuck you, I'm here. Like, you move over when you can. Yeah. No one's beeping No. Like, just seems like there's not as much... I don't know. Like people just don't give a fuck. Because it's <laughs> it's like just don't give a fuck. Just, yeah. Everyone's just trying to get. At night, red lights don't really mean
1: too much. You gotta be careful. One thing I'll say about Phuket which I don't like, is the roads. Mm. It's dangerous driving here, you know, but especially on those bikes. There's just,
0: yeah, no rules really. But at the same time, no one's like angry when you cut them off or you pull. I get angry. <laughs> yeah, because I'm used to the English the rest, roads. Yeah.
1: You know, like in England, if we're going down a main road. It, then there's a, a road on the left those cars are waiting until the main road is clear Mm-mm. here in thailand <laughs> you've got to assume you're going down the main road that big fucking bus is going to pull right out in front of you so you better be ready or they're just going to the car that's parked on the side of the road they're just going to open that door without even looking if yeah. anything's coming they just don't think <laughs> well, so you have to be prepared for it yeah you know, when you're driving here it's different skill you've got to be prepared it's for more anything it's, yeah. yes you've got to be prepared that a dog is going to run out right in front of you you know like at any minute because this happens a lot mm. there's a lot of accidents out here so you have to drive you have to drive safe here. you have to even, be careful
0: even that man like i'm like i'm a full dog person like i'm so soft like i can be way harder on humans than dogs yeah. and I was like oh I know that there's gonna be all these homeless dogs and stuff and I soy was like soy dogs yeah, yeah, yeah I was like real like I was like oh, I'm gonna get upset about this they look happy as fuck oh yeah even they don't care yeah. they so don't have any worries in the world nope. like people feed them yeah. like dude I, I was at dinner last night and I was like I'm gonna feed this dog like he walked up to my table none of them are begging either like do, do you notice that like not a lot of dogs are even begging no they don't
1: yeah I never actually thought about that none, but of, they them don't. Are, none of them are no. coming up
0: to eat your food and yeah. so this dog just walks in the restaurant the people don't give a fuck like the people that own the restaurant don't care and then this dog walks and it just lays down it's like it almost just wanted to just chill just hang out and chill okay like, hey, I'll come sit with you and so, so then I got a chip I had some like french fries so then I like threw a chip on the floor and it sniffed it and then fucking didn't eat it and I was like so they're obviously not hungry mm-hmm. but it's like even I don't know it's like even then it's like people are just like oh yeah if a dog comes in and looks hungry they'll just feed it there's no, like, calling the pound and then the pound's going to come. It's, mm. it's like it descended into a place where, like, everyone give up trying to control everyone else and just said, you know what? Look after yourselves. <coughs> if there's a hungry dog, feed it. If there's a hungry person, feed him. Mm. If there's a dude on the road, chill out. Like, it's almost like it got so unorganized that, yeah, they just said, do it, do it, just look after yourselves because we can't fucking deal with it. Yeah. And I kind of like it. <coughs> yep. It, it's it's in like I go tomorrow it's gonna be interesting to, to get go back, back
1: home go back to and the yeah. yeah
0: and a lot of people are like oh it's real dirty and this and that. and I'm like don't know yeah. if I care no yeah don't know if yeah. I give a fuck kind of like it yeah cause it's uh, yeah it's like it's it's a unique and but with that being said too the people are so fucking nice
1: yeah most of them most of them is, well it's the land of smiles most people here are just so friendly You obviously wherever you go you're gonna yeah, get you're gonna get your miserable there. fucks but most of them are just yeah such happy chill out people you know mm. it's very Sabai
0: I was very surprised like obviously Thailand's like crazy famous for ladyboys yeah, yeah, yeah. but I was I was really surprised that like how accepted it is it's like it doesn't yeah. even matter like no it doesn't in it's just western, normal but in western culture like we're obsessed with that shit oh yeah right if there's
1: a lady boy everyone's looking mm. everybody's looking
0: but well, here, it's here you can't tell for a starters i mean some, some you, of them some, some, some of them you some actually you can. can't yeah, yeah some yeah. you can some you can't yeah. like yeah. We're, we were we went out with the boys the other night and it was like late by the time like we were trying to get a kebab as you fucking do and uh, so we were like trying to get the kebab so we walked into this bar and we were with Joe from Ab- you know Joe from Absolute yeah yeah. yeah yeah so we were with Joe and we we're like oh okay so which side's the lady boy and which side's like the lady girl and he's like this late they all just cruising like there's no side there's no like side to the bar yeah. and uh, so we were looking around and i'm like I'm like trying to pick these lady boys and we are like asking the waitress like which one lady, which one lady boy really? and then we're like what about that one is that lady boy, a uh, lady and then she's like no 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 like giggling she's like that's that's lady boy I'm like well yeah she's hot as fuck <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> some
1: of you really yeah, cannot can tell
0: not, you could not tell yeah. and I was like I was tripping but it's like it's not even that. It's just like people don't care. Yeah. Like there's no judgment. Like they honestly don't give a fuck, eh? And that, yeah. like, I I was I knew that it was something coming here that I was like I've never experienced, and I I've never had to like see so many, uh, like fucking transgender people, real like essentially, and in in the West it's such a tab not taboo thing, but it's like a hot button issue. This whole trans thing, and then you come here and it's like. It's not an issue. It's just hmm. super normal, and they're sitting like we'd walk from the gym to our hotel every day. And there's like fifty lady boy massage places. There's ten bars with lady boys out the front. And they're like, hmm. "Oh, handsome man, come in, man, man, man." <laughs> and you just like at the first day, I was like real awkward. I was like, yeah. oh, I don't even want to look. This is fucking yeah. super weird for me. And then, like, the next few days, I'm like, hey, what's happening? You know, like, you just kind of get fully desensitized to it. So that was a a trip.
1: Yeah. Be careful with these massage places. It's not not really a massage. (laughs) Yeah, we
0: we, uh, we got... Last thing they're good at is massages. (laughs) We got the um, two free, like, with the camp, you actually get two massages and Simon at the start is like it's for one place it's called Sports Massage they're actual people that do it's a actual, legit place yeah, this is only <laughs> for massage and he like gave like the lecture yeah and um so yeah we only went to that to that yeah. place cause it, and it was fucking incredible like yeah. hands down best massage I've ever had yeah. have you do you know the one that we're talking about near the gym there What's it's like you know sports? where the, you know where the gym is an absolute and then you've got that little family mart right on the corner yeah Right where the family mart is Across the road And like down Two little uh, Buildings Is this It's like a green Building at sports, mat, sports right, I haven't been there Mate I'm uh, telling you Like I mean I don't know whether All massages Like legit ones In Thailand Are as good yeah. as them But like yeah. All the boys were like Because obviously The training camp Was like crazy hard Yeah But all the boys were Like holy fuck That was so legit Well obviously yeah, and was, I was it, like, was it, oh, was it, it was. painful Yeah
1: yeah, yeah a, then it's a good one yeah if no. you, they put you in pain oh
0: my god just yeah. that like the elbow techniques that they were using There was probably a bit like because my forearm man my forearms got like super burnt out through this mm. campaign all like, like, the gripping like really i really struggle with but yeah. i struggle with it in the gi at home so i i and i train way more gi than no gi like it's probably 70 30 in mm. the ghee, and obviously you're gripping way more. And the week before I came, like a, my forearms were just already chewed out. And then here I struggled, and she was pushing on them so hard to where I was like, you know what, this is probably not good mm. for my for my muscles. But if they weren't injured, it it would have yeah. been fine. But yeah, it was fucking amazingly good. Eh? I was like, man, this is probably going to be dog shit. Yeah. But yeah, so it's it was interesting hearing you talk about Thailand that first day we spoke and then i tried to like think about that Mm. lifestyle a little bit it's a great it's a great
1: place for uh, people like us digital nomads you know Mm. Uh, there's more and more people doing that now they're making money uh, they're doing their own thing making money online and they just go bounce from country to country to country and (laughs) you avoid paying tax that way because the tax man doesn't know what to do with you you know like because i'm not in england i'm not in america i'm like that's how I avoided it for years. I was in a different country all the time, mm. you know. But Shang um, Mai is a real cool place for digital nomads. Is that you know, in Thailand as well? Yeah, north of Thailand. and It's really cheap. So a lot of people have, like, startup businesses there. Because yeah. accommodation is cheap. Food, living is cheap. And you have the time, you know, to build up whatever it is you want to build up. You know, there's more and more people doing that now. It's never too late for people to just quit their job that they hate and just mm. do their own thing you know especially the way the internet's going now yeah the,
0: in, the internet is opened up it's everything.
1: changing everything we're doing you know? this
0: podcast right now thousands and thousands and thousands yeah. of people will listen to this and
1: what i love about the internet is bringing especially podcasts it's bringing awareness yeah to so many things like the things we've been talking about today i would never have heard of no. a lot of these psychedelics or you know, if it weren't for listening to podcasts...
0: Yeah. You know, it's... It's
1: uh, it's spreading a lot of useful information.
0: It's happening a lot if you draw a parallel to jiu-jitsu as well. Yeah. Like, I I joke with a couple of the brown belts at the gym as that I'm a white belt in the gym, but a brown belt on YouTube. Because <laughs> it's like... You can just watch so much, like, information. And, like, mm. you look at a dude like Lockie. Like, so Lachlan Giles, that I just craig jones professor yeah uh, i always have to say full names because, lachlan giles yeah, yeah if i don't awesome amazing
1: like, jujitsu. he's not as well known as craig but fuck, he's, an he's awesome i've got 15 kilograms on him and when i was rolling with him holy shit
0: <laughs> yeah you, he said it was legit like you guys really went out of it at yeah him. he definitely beat me it was like so it was a hard time oh yeah 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 what what it's is good, it though. like what is it with him
1: with him he's been like he just he had an answer for everything i was doing things that usually work against most people he knew what i was doing before I even he saw the initial setup the little details i said like, oh he's going for a reverse de or he's going for a knee bar he recognizes what's coming before it comes you know or you know what i'm setting up i'm faking this but i'm actually going this but he knows what i'm doing he knows what i'm faking and mm. what i really want you know so it's just it's just awareness you know he knows all the techniques i know he knows all the pathways and he has counters for them that so was, that takes the strength and athleticism away because you know I, like i said i've got 15 kilograms on lachlan but didn't matter didn't and it, matter
0: not just weight size yeah like your surface area you're longer yeah like limbs yeah, are yeah. longer every everything you take up more physical space on planet earth than yeah you so it's like even that there's something to be said even even for that you yeah. know and it's like yeah the way that he can kind of overcome that shit yeah but it's it's crazy the like the levels and there was even i was trying to do that um honey holes like back step on yeah, you today, yeah. and So again like, i
1: knew what was i knew right away because yeah. i do it myself and i knew so it counts as to the
0: but i did that on three people today i healed yeah i healed three dudes nice with that and it's like they all laughed and they were like, Fuck. Yeah. Because I'd never seen it before. Yeah. And it, it, it's like when you... Yeah, when you don't have the answer or you don't know what's coming, it's almost like you can do whatever you want. But yeah. when you do, it's like... Then it really... Like the, the script is is flipped. And yeah, it, it was cool to like really watch you guys. And even when you rolled uh, Jace, Lockheed's yeah. Power Belt. Yeah. It was like... He was... Like, you almost had an answer for him, but then at the same time, like, only, I guess, five minutes, but it's, like, yeah. you struggle to really get all the way through every yeah. every defense. And it's, yeah. it's He was good. So, he is good. Yeah. It's so interesting to watch when you have a deeper understanding of, like, what's really going on. And it's, like, if you were to try and choke, rear naked choke me, it wouldn't take long, like, at all. But... You were trying to choke him for like a long time. Yeah, I couldn't do it. Just mic <laughs> just micro micro yeah. adjustments yeah. at his neck and you were you know, you've got your game and your technique. And it's like then he just was just given these little little counters that forced you to either go back a step yeah. or back all the way to the start and it's it's a crazy yeah crazy thing to watch. But it, it was definitely cool to see you and you and Lockie
1: yeah. go at it. I know it's not often I get to train with people like pure jiu guys at that kind of level mm. you know i trained with craig jones recently uh, how was that huh <laughs> bad um
0: yeah i mean his size and strength isn't as big it's a funny difference.
1: when i first oh, i've been watching craig i thought hmm, maybe i've got a good style for him because i've got a good pressure game mm. and he's quite tall and skinny but then he's not he's tall but he's not skinny he's no, quite he's, physically he's, now. he's strong so I thought certain things would work on him. And when I rolled with him, I was so wrong. <laughs> so what,
0: what was your game plan with play- Um
1: To just do what I always do, get heavy on top, get into half guard and start pressuring my way through. You know, I like that weave pass, yeah, squash the legs way. together. <laughs> I just couldn't even, I couldn't get close to the guy. I couldn't get close to him. And one thing about Craig is he's always pulling guard in competition. So people think he's... People don't realize he's actually oh, really quite an amazing top game. Mm. Really good guard passing. You just don't really see it very often. He doesn't need to do it. Yeah. He's, he's so good off his back. Uh, but when I rolled with him, that's what surprised me as well. I was like, oh, okay, I can't pass this guard. I'm going to pull guard on him. And I'll, pro- mm. I'll probably have an easier time then. But nope.
0: <laughs> was it harder when he was on top? Because
1: I don't get my guard passed very much here. Yeah. You know, there's not many people that come through that are able to pass my guard. But Craig passed three times in one round. Fuck. I was like shit you know and that's how Jack Lachlan passed my guy he did the exact same pass what was the pass it was a used? double body lock pass
0: yeah okay they've yeah. been using that a lot yeah, yeah it's
1: so effective
0: I haven't I actually I I'm ne- starting
1: to learn it myself now so once I learn it once I get good at it myself it probably won't work on me anymore this yeah, is the good you'll thing yeah the details exactly yeah which I don't know so, it works, that's the pass to do on me right now. I actually don't really know what to do. Dude, you know what's crazy? I get put in a position where I struggle, you know?
0: It's crazy today when we rolled, The you were trying to do some leg entry stuff on me. Yeah. And, like, I was, like, fucking getting out of certain stuff, but only because we've done it all week. If you did yeah. that a, just one week ago, I would have been a fucking dead fish. Yeah. I would have I not even seen it coming. Mm. and it's crazy to me as like everything there's like i'm putting in my own work that you can start to see that it is about knowing and having answers mm. and or almost like looking just that touch into the future to where you've got time to react because mm. like if you don't have that time And, and obviously I don't want to say at all, like I'm fucking good enough for you not to leg lock me, but it was like, you know, you get in those scrambles where it's like, I actually actually knew what you were trying to do. And then I just hit the fucking eject button and I'm just so far out of there so quickly because all I've got is I have to get out before it really even starts or I'm not getting out at all. And it's crazy to yeah to watch that and i can only imagine what guys like yourself and then Lockie and craig have because it's like you're just caching all this data all the Mm. time everyone you ever roll like you're just getting data off these people and it's like the people that are good at jujitsu are the ones that have like this fucking 40 terabyte hard drive and they're just Mm. they're just stacking that with like real time analysis and like pattern recognition mm. and, and stuff like that that's
1: why the danaher death squad have done so well in competition the last few years because they've learned a system of the leg game mm. that most other world championship level black belts weren't familiar with so even though they had been training less half the amount of time as the guys that they were beaten they were able to bring them into an area of the game that they didn't know they were more experienced their opponents were more experienced in jiu-jitsu but they brought him into an area of the jiu-jitsu game that they were more experienced in mm. and they were able to tap people like uh you know cyborg abru you know gordon ryan tapped him gordon ryan's only been training i'm not sure how many years it's like, like
0: seven, seven years or seven
1: years that's ridiculous to tra-
0: tap a dude that's that born and raised on <laughs> yeah <Jiu-Jitsu>. yep <laughs> it's pretty heavy that's pretty amazing. And you look at dudes like, yeah, Gary Tone, and, and like, <coughs> even Nicky Ryan, man. Like, oh, he, he's phenomenal. I did you love watch watching the P- guy. Polaris?
1: guy. Did yeah. you watch his Polaris match? Yeah, I did. Against, uh, yeah, quite a talented guy called Phil Harris, a UK fellow British guy. Yeah, and he was, he a, actually, he was here at uh, Tiger Muay Thai a few years ago. Mm. Yeah, he was training here. But Nicky Ryan's, you can, it's just a, age is just a number. You know, I mm. think he's guy's
0: only 16, but holy shit, he's The mentality he's that little motherfucker has is crazy.
1: Yeah. To just go and take on the world. He wants to be the best in the world. Like he, he, he knows what he wants, so he will be. He's already on the way. You know? I just wish he was a little bit bigger. He'll, he'll probably grow into himself. He's actually yeah. like... When I met him, he came to Singapore. Um, John Danaher did a seminar there, and Nicky Ryan came along. And he's... For for a 16-year-old, he's pretty. He's in very good physical yeah, shape. Yeah, he's ripped. You know, yeah, he is. So you know i'm sure he's going to grow into
0: himself a lot there is kids like in motocross there's a kid called adam Cincerello and he was the prodigy of all prodigies like on another level to anybody ever and uh he barely lost a race his entire life like that's how fucking good this kid is and everyone said you're too small like it's all good now because you're on these little bikes but you'll never be able to ride a big bike now he's too big for the class that he's in so he rides a 250 cc capacity bike the biggest is a 450 and now everyone's like yeah dude you're you're too big for a 250 mm. and he was a kid like he was a fucking dweeb and now he's like huge yeah so it's like you never know because gordon's a big dude yeah yeah he's it, big yeah why is he like six
1: three six four mm. but, but like yeah he's like 240 pounds I think. he's yoked yeah
0: happened quick too
1: yeah <laughs> a lot of people like to suggest <laughs> but he's young you know like um i don't
0: know i don't he know he posted a picture of him today at 17 did you see yeah that? like he, for he years jack
1: yeah like people always accuse me of being on stuff for years because I, so. I was always like pretty in good shape but if you see photos of me when i'm 15 16 i was always mm. unless i've been doing it since i was 16 <laughs> yeah yeah you know i was always quite physical you know just that was just the body type I had yeah and so with someone like Gordon Ryan I think I think maybe it could could very well be natural natural it very well could not be yeah because yeah. <laughs> it doesn't it does look it's pretty damn big there is, is so that, I don't know
0: there's definitely some steroid shit going on in jiu-jitsu though right because oh not yeah like they test yeah. a lot of stuff uh, it's yeah it's crazy it's, <laughs> it's got to be yeah it's gotta be tough like you look at Lockie he's clean as a whistle yeah there's zero there's just zero doubt there but then it's like how many dudes is he fighting that aren't even getting checked yeah it's gotta be frustrating yeah cause the, the thing is is like it gives you this fucking crazy strength, like when you're. I think on, it's in more. That that it's more the recovery. And the than yeah, everything. and the recovery. Yeah, you're so to train. you
1: and yeah, you you recover quicker, so you're able to train more, get more hours in, mm. and then learn more, and then it's just going to give you that edge. Mm. Obviously, a physical edge as well.
0: <laughs> I think though, like when I was talking to Lockie, uh, on the podcast, it's crazy to feel like a guy like him to where like coaching would help your game right
1: it definitely helped my game as soon as i started coaching my game got a lot better
0: mm. but i think Lockie's at a point where coaching almost hinders his game right because he's craig jones's coach you know it's like that you're they're, they're co- like you're coaching me you know i mean obviously like sorry you've got good guys too so it's not like uh, you're yeah not discounting that but it's like you're not responsible for going to Polaris, competing, and then cornering for the guy who's maybe the best dude in the world right now. Hmm. So it's like there's a lot that he... he I guess he has to put more in around that kind of top-level competition. Like when you go to a top-level competition, it's all about you. Hmm. So it's like it's got to be hard for, for him. And I feel like he got to a point where he does know every single technique he's seen every game he's got great purple belts he's got great blue belts he's got all these people around him to where like the coaching side of things does help but Mm. then like he's probably reached a point where it's actually hurts him as a competitor which is interesting because it's like what do you do there because I mean I'm sure he's got aspirations of you know being one of the the best dudes in the world
1: yeah I mean he told me he's adding things onto his game now like his dream is ADCC Mm. champion so, you know, you need any little thing, if you just need to l- do a bit more strength and conditioning, get a bit stronger, that's yeah. an edge. Uh, but wrestling is a huge one. If you can just add the wrestling to your jiu-jitsu oh. game, that's gonna really, that might be the bit that sets you apart. Mm. You know, I think that's, that, that is what let him down. He had a great match with JT Torres. Yeah. He's ranked number one in the world at 77 kilograms. But what separated them was the takedown, the wrestling. Yeah. You know, JT was a little bit sharper there, but now Lachlan is learning that. And I think Craig is as well. He's adding that to his game. Yeah. It's so important you need to know it. You know. That's what let me down in quintet. I actually always trained wrestling since I've been coming here. I actually had a decent double leg on me, yeah. a decent single leg, but I can't wrestle for shit now because I have got I got free bulging discs in my neck, so I can't shoot. Uh-huh. That's why I'm always pulling guard now. I have to pull guard. I, if I shoot and my head someone just pushes my head slightly or like my head goes into the yeah. rib cage my whole right arm goes numb for about five minutes wow. and my legs go a little bit numb as well that's crazy it's a little bit scary
0: have you ever done any like decompression exercises
1: yeah i do it uh, once a week yeah once right. a week what yeah stuff do you do? um i just do what's it called traction traction device yeah yeah just on this machine that kind of like pulls yeah. your head up it's good uh, hey? sometimes the chiropractor does it for me he just gets a, a, towel a towel around my head and he pulls my head back and you feel it popping it feels
0: good yeah it's like pop pop oh yeah I'm uh, cause I yeah I fucking held onto something way too long today that I, I shouldn't have yeah. my neck's jacked and that's the first thing I'm thinking about is like I've done where I've tied like a towel to the doorknob and then you put it in that cruck of your behind your skull and then you lay flat on your back and you just edge yourself forward you yeah. can just feel the weight of your head pulling your neck and like decompressing Yeah. so I mean yeah it's like that's a good one for anyone at, <clears throat> at home that has like mm. neck Issues is to tie a little yes. bit of rope to a doorknob. You can, I have, you I have a, some
1: it. big neck issues right now. I shouldn't really be competing. I've been told, it, what did it come from? Um, I, I was rolling uh, jujitsu here and I actually, it all started when I was in Singapore. I started doing a lot of tornado guard. Mm. And for my body type, I'm just not flexible enough to do it. It's just not my body type. But I kept doing it. I got good at it. But I kept, instead of going on my shoulders and my upper back, I kept going over my neck Yeah. and I'd pop my neck, you know, just doing it slightly wrong. And then turn up to training the next day, oh, I'm not gonna roll today, my neck is sore. But then someone doesn't have a partner, I ended up jumping and rolling. Then you warm up and then you don't feel pain anymore. Actually, no, I'm fine. That's the worst thing about jiu-jitsu. Yeah. Once
0: you're warm, you can do whatever the fuck you want.
1: And this is inside in air conditioning. So this was going on for a year. For about a year, I'm doing reverse Delaheva and tornado guard and having a lot of success in training with it. But I kept going over my neck Mm. and pushing it way too much. And then I came here and um, I think that I just, I rolled for a knee bar in someone. They defended the correct way and I went to, they had to be in a bad position and I went to explode out. And went over my neck and that was just the tipping point mm. and it resulted in three bulging discs and now I've got disc on disc oh. so you should have fluid in between each yeah. disc mine is just disc on disc It almost looks like the disc is fractured My a c5 and c6 so which runs all the way down to my foam and my main finger here and it's been numb since February oh. I haven't felt these three digits since February and sometimes if I walk long distances, my feet go numb. Yeah, right. So I should, the chiropractor and the doctor said, you need to lay off training for a good six months to a year, let your discs fully regenerate. Um, but it's so hard to walk away. Yeah, I mean, I, that's making
0: me think about my neck. Especially right
1: dish. now, you know, I've just reached, I'm the best I've ever been in Jiu Jitsu right now. I've reached a level that I want to compete now. I'm a 33 not mm. getting any younger now is the time to really compete if i want to but then this happened so uh, maybe i should take a little a few months off you know six months off and you know properly heal and then compete get but some of that
0: prp and fucking exomes and all yeah that
1: i wish I, I looked into stem cell therapy mm. um but it's so expensive Don't so expensive yeah I, yeah i looked that's where i looked into yeah, it still it's still, still expensive how much yeah. are you talking I think fifteen thousand US, wow. which is actually not that bad. But Still I kind of afford that.
0: Yeah, it's pretty like, Yeah, definitely.
1: If I could get a sponsor or something, yeah, sponsor me some stem cells. <laughs> Maybe they could sponsor me. I'll just give them an Instagram
0: post. So <laughs> what's uh, what's next for you, mate? Because hell, where um, are we at? here? two and a half hours. Oh wow, we're deep. Does wow, feel like two and a half hours? No, no, no. It goes pretty quick, eh? Yeah.
1: Next. <clears throat> I'm just... Right now, I'm just really enjoying life, you know?
0: Good for you, dude. Yeah,
1: everything is... I appreciate everything so much right now. Um, I, would love, I would love to go, and I can't travel as much as I used to for the reasons we talked about. I would love to go to New York and do some videos with Danaher death squad, you know, one in Gordon mm. Ryan and Gary Tone and a few of the 10th Planet guys. But now, you know, I have a girlfriend here and I'm also contracted... It's a tiger, so I have to be here and teach every day. But it, you know, I'll, I'll maybe when next time I've got a holiday, mm. you know, um, yeah, I'd like to take a trip over to America and do a few more videos. hello I have so many people coming here, so I'm. It's I'm, crazy. I'm man. getting back into my videos again. I had a bit of a break, but I just did one with Josh Hinger. Um, working on the Craig. One. Nathan, Nathan Orchard. I'm working. That was at, cool. <coughs> oh, like thank that, you. Yeah. yeah, he's a great guy. Does, is he um, the one
0: that invented the dead orchard?
1: yes okay. yeah yeah I got really tapped. interesting guy I got tapped with one of them the
0: other day I, fucking I almost sold. got
1: tapped by one in competition last year really almost but I knew what it was
0: luckily we uh, had a 10th planet dude Jeff shout out if you listen him. <coughs> and uh, he's like full wanky dude 10th planet guy and I was like oh yeah show me some 10th planet shit and he's like you want to try a rubber guard so I like get, I got put fully into rubber guard And then he's just like... And I was like... And he goes, yeah, yeah, that's called the Dead Orchard. And I was like, yeah, Yeah. fuck that noise. Because that shit sucks. Yeah. Some nasty shit that those dead planet freaks are cooking. Yeah,
1: they've got a unique style. But um, yeah, so um, I've just done one on him. That's out to view on my YouTube channel, my Facebook page. I've just filmed one with um, Edwin Najmi, um, who's a Gracie Barra, Mm. black belt. He fights in ACB um obviously the craig jones look out for that one i think that's going to be one of the best ones i've ever made the footage i have for that's amazing Fuck and then lachlan giles and then um, yeah i hope i'm going to plan some more you know but i'm taking my time with these videos now i think yeah. i was doing so many i was traveling so much i started rushing the videos and they resulted in pretty bad videos I'm actually gonna go back and re-edit a lot of them. I oh, did one, yeah. I did one of Keen Cornelius a few years ago. It got taken down due, because music, music rights. Yeah, I was not smart enough to actually use properly. Cop- well, I actually thought I had copyright-free music, but it turned out I didn't, and I got I got fined quite a lot of money. Whoa. Yeah, I got fined a few thousand dollars. Yeah, no, fuck you. Yeah, yeah, fuck it. Uh, so I had to get that taken down, and I ne- I'd never got round to re-editing it. So I'm gonna re-edit it in small parts, though. Yeah. I think that one. Uh, I did that with the Marcelo Garcia one. It was like 90 minutes long, which is way too long. That's crazy. So now, if it, people have short attention spans now. you have got to be short four to six. Mm. You're going to get away with a 10-minute video if it's, if it's choppy. If it's good. Yeah. So the short video seems to be the way forward.
0: It's you crazy know? that the videos are the shorter, but podcasts a longer
1: yeah well podcast I know when I wake up in the morning I'm having my coffee my shower I like to take my time I put a podcast on Mm. I listen to it I'm walking around the kitchen making my coffee doing my thing and I'm listening to a podcast the whole time and I don't have to watch it Mm. you know I can just listen and then but I'll I'll come back to it watch a little bit and then
0: listen you know yeah it's crazy that it's shifted the way that it has I, I didn't I didn't see it coming but now that it's here I definitely have I've put a lot of thought into why they're working so well and why they're so popular. And I just think it takes you back to that. Like, what's the oldest form of storytelling? Sitting around a campfire. Mm-hmm. And there's no noise. There's just like a crackle of a fire. And the only thing you like zoned into the conversation because there's nothing else going on around you. There was no street lights. There was no road noise. There was no traffic. There was no music. There was no one distracted by a phone. It was just zoned in, only conversation. And I think that this whole podcasting is just like re-tickled that little primal uh, storytelling yeah, kind of thing that's like in our DNA. You're getting
1: to know people's proper stories, you know? Mm. Like, uh, I love, the, I think someone brought out the point of the day, like certain fighters like Kevin Lee, they come across a certain way, mm. you know, through the UFC promo videos or things they say, you think, that guy's the right dick. He goes on the Joe Rogan podcast You see what a normal, down-to-earth, mm. nice, Intelligent guy he is, you know. It's like that with a lot of people. You get to see who people really are, because you've got the time, haven't you? Macaulay yeah. Macaulay Culkin was on. During I, haven't the listened podcast listening listening I listened to that yet? I got I listened to a little bit. He seems really normal guy, but the way media has betrayed him, he seems
0: kooky as fuck as well. Because like, of the right, his own, but in his own way, on that yeah. podcast, he seems like yes, very yeah, yeah. down to earth, but very very kooky to where you're like that's why he's such a good actor you know but yeah you're right you do see him he's just a normal guy he's just a normal guy he wants to he wants to make people laugh he wants to I don't know my my image of
1: him was that he was just some drug addict failure you know that was a one hit wonder with his Home Alone film but no, absolutely not. It's just the way media makes it out. Do people yeah. know
0: much about your story with like the addiction stuff that you've no, been
1: through? No, no, That's the first time I've said it.
0: It's going to be interesting. And I think
1: it's important because we always post the positive things. We always po- post like, oh, how, how you know, we're boasting about our lives. You know, I did this, I did that. Look how great my life is. Mm. I think it's important to show, because then people end up comparing their lives to your life. Yeah. Oh, my life's not that good. I wish, look at Stuart Cooper doing traveling the world doing all these things but we all have our own little struggles i think it's important to be honest mm. about you know these things you know if it's depression anxiety you know and people can listen and then maybe they can take something from it
2: well it you know, take
0: some hope from it it helps people because like we've had this on the podcast before where people have opened up about struggles and it's like like when you're at the top of the game and what you see is, like, ESPN, Supercross Championship, this, that. Like, you'd think that, like, okay, their life must be perfect. I don't have any of those things. That's why my life isn't perfect. But then when you hear a guy like, say, Robbie Madison, who's one of the most famous motorcycle riders on the planet, when you hear him go, yeah, I was depressed as fuck. I almost killed myself.
1: Wow, yeah.
0: And then it's like people start to think, like, oh, so he has all that stuff I think I need, and he's still depressed. Yeah. Right. And I think that that's what helps people is it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. So maybe it's not the things and the accolades and the job and the, yeah, that stuff helps. But if you've got that, then you can still feel fucked. Yeah. So it's like, really, people need to get right with themselves and only themselves. They don't need a better job. Mm. They don't need a better car. They don't need more friends. They don't, like, every, you've got, you've got yourself. Mm. And then, I think that also means you've got yourself to blame. And when you can realize that you've got yourself to blame and you can audit and go through, I think a process we both have, it sounds like we've both been through that process mm. of like, okay, well, I was to blame for that. <coughs> I was to blame for this. Yeah. And I need to get right with that yeah. myself. It's like, that's when things start to fall in. And I also think it's why we're seeing a lot of celebrity suicides. Yeah. Because
1: quite yeah we've had three big ones recently
0: it's fucking crazy so think about it then on the flip side right so when you uh like so chester Bennington, that one fucked me up lincoln park was my childhood yeah i've seen lincoln park like 15 times live Mm. fucking love it love those dudes and when he killed himself that was like one of the heaviest things for me because that was like and I mean, I've met a lot of famous people. I've hung out with a lot of famous people. I have like, I never got starstruck ever by people. And maybe that's why I was able... Like, people were cool with me filming is because you can kind of just jump on. You're not treating people any differently, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Maybe, and I'm sure that's what you've got. You just kind of don't get awed by the people. You just kind of see them as a person. Yeah. But I think with Chester, he was like one dude... Well, like I let myself go fucking deep down that rabbit hole of like he's more than just a person sort of thing. Yeah. And I haven't done that with too many people, so when I, when he killed himself, that it really fucking sucked. Yeah. And it it did make me think though, when all the messages, all the comments, everything that you see is people going like, "What a fucking waste! Look at all the things he had! Look at what he had! Blah blah blah! He's got everything you, he could ever want, and he still did that." Yeah. and it's like well you know what you don't know what's going on in his life well maybe it's because people like you keep telling him he's got everything and he still feels like a piece of fucking shit hmm. and so you're like you're as in society is telling you you've got everything you need to be happy and you're still not happy then what's the fucking option hmm. a guy like him could buy whatever he wants go yeah. wherever he wants do whatever he wants every fucking thing is at his disposal and he's still not happy. And he's still got demons. Yeah. And then we're all telling him that he should be happy because he's got everything. And when you can't be happy with everything, yeah. then you've got nothing.
1: You know what's strange? Recently I was in Vietnam, Ho Chi Minh City. And I saw this guy going around the streets of the city and he didn't, ha- he didn't have any legs. He had two stools. He's shuffling one stool in front of the other stool, in front of the other stool, shuffling along. He had stools for legs, begging for money off the street. And he was probably about 50 years old, I'm not sure. Look what he has. Nothing. And he wants to live. He's begging to survival. And then you have someone with everything in the world. You know, they have all the money, they've got everything, they've accomplished a lot, they're successful, but they want to end all this. They want to end it.
0: It's kind of, it's strange, you know? Well, it just goes to show that things don't mean anything. yeah. You have yeah. to be, you have to be happy with yourself. Mm-hmm. And if you can't get right with yourself, you can't get right with anyone or anything. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's fucking, it's a pretty heavy spot. And that's, that's why I was, it's cool to hear the way that you talked and that the way that you said things and rationalized things. And you knew that it's fucking interesting, man, the way that you said that I knew I had a good life before so I could yeah. get a good life again. I think that's a fucking super powerful thing to say to people because yeah yeah like i said i got people in my life that are struggling and they're struggling for a really 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 fucking legitimate reason and that i think they're actually dealing with shit better than what i would be if i was thrust yeah. into the same situation but at the same time i think it's fine they're finding it hard to have that same point of view yeah and i i hope that that helps
1: <clears throat> yeah you know and if, once they do get through it come out the other end you know it just, it does, it makes you mentally stronger. It can only make you stronger. Mm. If you get through those deepest, darkest times.
0: And then you've got a point of reference, man. Yep. To bring you back. Yeah. And then it. I feel like once you've gone through and once you've made it out that other side, then the, you, you don't slip in again. You don't go down nope. that again because... You've already fucking seen it, and yeah. you've already done it. You've got it's like I guess like jiu-jitsu. You know it's coming. You've yeah. seen the fucking. You learn step. from your mistake. Yeah. yeah.
1: Something my parents were worried about. They're like, you won't, you won't do, do that. You won't take those things again, will you? I was like, no, I won't. Like, I don't think I have an addictive personality. Mm. It was just a mistake. <laughs> You know there's no danger that's gonna happen again mm. a, i do not want to go through that again
0: <laughs> is it it's interesting Ever. too though that you've got the like you still smoke weed and you still yeah i'm like, i'm kind of like i'm you...
1: careful with it though like um i only smoke weed before bed mm. very rarely do i do it in the day because i'm very, I'm, very similar uh, I, I don't know it affects everyone differently like some people can smoke weed and then like uh, go and do stand-up comedy go and mm. perform in front of a huge crowd if i smoke weed like there's no way i could smoke weed and come on this podcast Mm. you wouldn't get much out of me (laughs) i just want to like just watch a film and just be quiet Mm. that's how it affects me it puts me to sleep but for other people it makes them talk a lot it makes them you know yeah much more vocal so it's
0: i'm similar in like i guess like one of my big insecurities in life like if i could say what my which is ironic my biggest insecurity in life is about talking too much because i was that super fucking hyperactive kid and i love telling stories and i love making people laugh and i just i fucking love being the center of attention like my nickname when i was a kid was campfire and because i, I love being in the middle and everyone listening to me but then slowly i started to i started to think that it was an insecurity like it it was not okay obviously I'm insecure about it but I was doing it out of insecurity and I was and I had it twisted in my head I was like man I'm just I'm just confident I just enjoy talking to people I just that's just who I am I'm just loud and I just talk a lot but it's like mm, well what's really going on here is you're insecure and you're worried that people aren't going to like you and you're trying to force people to like you you're trying to tell these stories and you're trying to be the center of attention. You're trying yeah. to like command a stage because that's what, why people will like you. And yeah. then I found it really hard, and like I'd get and man, I've still, like I'm better at it now. But like sometimes I meet someone and I get real talking, and I just start telling stories because I'm just like, oh, I got to give them as much info as I can because I want them to like me. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. but now that I've, again, it's like that. You get older, you get that perspective, and I don't know whether yeah. that's come from from you know doing different things but now the thing that i love about weed is that it makes me not feel like i need to talk yeah like but it's how ironic is it that i fucking have a podcast yeah but (laughs) it's like but that's my number one fucking insecurity Mm -hmm. in life is that like i get to this point where i I'm like scared that people want me. To, it's like you're scared of silence because then yeah. it's like people are judging you in that silence. I don't know. Yeah. It's like a, it's like a weird thing. They
1: just assume it's a, an awkward silence. Yeah, exactly. And it's completely fine to have silence.
0: <laughs> yeah. And that's what, that's what I think has been the biggest help for me is you smoke and I don't feel that pressure to talk. Yeah. I'm, I'm cool. I'm cool with it. And then now that I've found that the longer that I've done that, just cool with it in general but mm-hmm. i mean even this trip i noticed like i'd start like i met all these new people it's just a fucking overload of new people and it's like it's hard because you don't want to tell, like, tell you like you want to tell you want to give people information about you to be like look we kind of like the same shit like we're probably going to be friends but it's like you, i guess sometimes yeah you feel like forced or rushed to like i gotta give them all this info mm-hmm. but there were even points this week where i was like dude just shut the fuck up <laughs> Just chill, man. Like it's all good, and then you see other people do. The, I think it's a common thing. I don't. I don't think it's a, you know, Robinson, Robinson Crusoe when it comes to to that. But
1: no, I think it is a common thing. Yeah, yeah, but
0: it's like it's it's cool to I guess know that that's like a thing. Yeah. And and yeah, it's like so. I guess that's the reason that I kind of enjoy it as well because I feel like I am always the person that's talking and fucking mm. carrying on and telling stories. Sometimes it's nice to just be the dude in the corner that's. Kind of sitting there Shutting the fuck up Yeah <laughs> But yeah I don't, I don't know how I'd go Doing one of these Ripped Yeah Be a weird experience But what hasn't been A weird experience Is this Particular podcast I fucking yeah. really enjoyed it I'm glad you Were able to tell Your story About what you went through
1: Yeah Hopefully it, You know People Yeah can relate to it maybe, and it's going to help them in some way and give mm. them a bit of hope, you know. If they're in, a, if they are in a similar situation,
0: mm. you know. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm stoked, and, and I think like, it's cool to bring people that, like, I guess people would have a certain expectation of how you are as a person based on the profile in a way. Yeah. And then I'm, I'm interested to see. If it matches up,
1: yeah, I think I need to change that. That I use this certain photo all the time. There's a photo of me, like in the best jacked. shape. The best shape I've ever been, just looking angry. That's really not who I
2: am. No, you're. you're
0: I'm not like that idea. at all.
1: It gives people the wrong idea. Yeah, and I mean, I don't.
0: I don't. It's not like negative. People are fucking jacked. People yeah. walking around looking like Hulk. Yeah. but um, I guess it's just that you're in martial arts and, hmm. and that sort of thing like even someone said it to me the other day like oh, I just did not think he was a filmer because normally filmers are fucking nerds yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah it's like you've got you've got your own thing going yeah. on you're doing you dude you're, you're a unique guy in a lot of good ways so yeah, thank appreciate you talking man and yeah, thank you I enjoyed hanging out this week I enjoyed getting to know you a bit and, and the training we did today and the stuff you've taught me through the week It's it's, it's cool that you know little like the double under thing little things that you yeah. showed me like i'll keep that for the. oh that's gonna stick with you I'm, now yeah, yeah rest of the time i'm doing jiu-jitsu yeah. it's kind of like that
1: stuck with me since i think purple belt i'm still doing it now let's not tell anyone yeah no because <laughs> i fucking like that's <laughs> a good one
0: all right brother i appreciate yeah, it yeah yeah cool thank you brother done and that's it thank you to everyone who stuck around for the full podcast i hope you all enjoyed it uh just a quick reminder that if you fancy yourself some Gypsy Tales swag? You can head to gypsytailpodcast slash shop and go Berko. Uh It'd be be cool. I'd like it. Start some conversations. People go, "What's all What's all that about?" With the old Gypsy Tales. Be like, you know what? It's my favorite podcast. Check them out. Uh, coming up, like I said, we have a couple of really good ones that we've already done. Uh, one with UFC heavyweight Mark Hunt and Lachlan Giles. There'll be a vlog accompanying that podcast as well. Going to try and do that a little bit more when we kind of travel. So it can be, I don't know, like a bit of a window into what goes on uh, when we kind of go and do these trips for the podcast. So hopefully it's cool. Uh, And then recording some good ones next week. I've uh, been talking to Kerry Hart. He's in Brisbane right now with his wife, Pink. Uh, I haven't seen Kerry in a couple of years, so it'd be pretty cool to get him on. Uh, and there's definitely a few other really, really good ones floating around that we're just still trying to lock in. So thanks for listening, and we will talk to you guys next week, unless you DM me first at Gypsy Podcast on Instagram. One last read through the sponsors. Thank you very much to the legends at Boost Mobile, Nobby Underwear, and the guys at fightlife.com dot AU. Without them this shit would not happen. So cheers guys.